The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Friday Eve, who's ready? Yes, I am. Raise those hands, people. Let's go. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm Rob Ellis, my guy, Tone to Shields right there. Big Tone, what's up? What's up? What's up? We got Tyler, Kevin, Jason, Godfrey, uh, Shooter, James, M. Reyes, Chuck. Who else? I don't want to I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not missing any of our friends. Steve Ike, go Sixers, who rolled last night, by the way. Uh real RMP. Uh too focused to fail. Godfrey, I think I got you. But what's up, everybody? Tone, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. What is it? Uh Thirsty Thursday. So uh Thirsty I feel Thursday. pretty good, man. Uh like we're, that. we're we're that much we're that much closer to uh some Eagles football. Uh, Sixers won last night. Uh, man, what more can you ask for, man? Uh, life's pretty good. Life's That's pretty good, good, man. And now you may say, say my background looks kind of bland right now, right? You're <laughs> saying, what the heck's happening there? So uh, as I told you guys. I'm, I, you I, look I, like you're in the panic room, honestly. I've, I've been there before. <laughs> Uh, that's for sure. But uh, no, so I had to <sighs> clear everything off the walls. Because I have the pro action folks coming in uh, tomorrow to actually do the ceilings and the, the ceiling and the walls. So I had to get everything that was either hung up on the wall or that was near the wall away from the wall. Like tomorrow, after the show today, I got to remove my desktop and you know put that somewhere and because it's, it's going to be plat, you know, a mess. It's going to be a mess. Tarps all over the place, the whole night. So that's why it looks like it looks for for anybody wondering and. My green screen is tucked away and all that good stuff. So I'm, I'm, we're, we're going bare bones, baby. Doesn't matter. We're still rolling. But it doesn't, anyway. it doesn't matter at all, baby. Content is content. Let's roll. So here's the, here's the good thing, Tone. A win Monday night, and the Eagles are in. Period. The, the, we we don't need to go to 17 scenarios where we all start passing out, you know, and our eyes start rolling in the back of our head. Win, you're in. Okay. Now, obviously, there's a lot more that's needed. Uh, for sure, 
beyond that, if you want to end up being the one seed, you got to win out in all likelihood. Got to win out. Got to hope the Niners lose one. Um, if that's the case, then you're going to be good. Uh, even with the Cowboys, you should be good. Although the Cowboys by far have the toughest schedule of, of those three teams by far. Yeah. You know, the fact of the matter is you, you have everything in front of you at this point. Um, do your job. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Do your job, do exactly what's expected of you. And, um, you know, everything should fall into place. Obviously you're not in controlling your destiny in terms of the number one seat, but, as the as far as the division hey look if you can win your division get the number two seed hey i'll roll with that yeah you know what i mean it is what it is um sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta take what you can get and in this situation the philadelphia eagles didn't really put themselves in the best position um to secure that number one seed with their recent performances over the past couple weeks now um these guys have a tough job right these guys do a job that i probably wouldn't wouldn't be able to do so, um, you know, I try to always approach it from that perspective as well. I try to be as um, conscientious as I possibly can because I'm not a pro athlete. I don't know what goes into the I don't know what goes into their day to day. I don't know what goes into the practices and the meetings. And I don't know nothing about that. I'm just a super passionate fan of the game, super passionate fan of the team. And um, sometimes my expectations can be a bit um, uh unrealistic or high and i can be very critical so on and so forth because you know we care about this team you know we care about the game but overall uh this team has uh everything in front of them at this point they just have to win out and the chips will fall where they may at this point all right and one of the things that i think is a strength of this team and has nothing to do with the field that you know on the field i truly believe that this team is tough mentally i do i think that they are the type of team that can flush things that don't necessarily sniff themselves. I think they are focused on the task at hand. And that gives me solace as I look at the rest of this schedule and 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 the way the last two games went, where I think a lot of teams would it be lingering for them. I think the quarterback is great at compartmentalizing things. I think the coach is very good at the sort of on to the next thing. And I think there's enough players there that have been through the you know like Fletcher Cox and, and Kelsey and Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson have been through this kind of thing before. They have. They've been through two bad games before. There's nothing new to these guys. Right. So they know how to impart that kind of wisdom on the other guys. I, I, my lot of yesterday was on WIP talking about Brandon Graham on, I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. After they they, they were doing some, some weightlifting, he usually breaks them down. And it's one of those, you know, just like, hey, let's go next game, Seattle, boom. You know, one of those pump up kind of things he sat there and talked to them about all the noise and what's going on and the way that they're playing and rolling into the next one. Like that's an example of leadership that this team has that I think is a great advantage for them going forward. So I, I truly believe you're going to see a different team on Monday. I do. Yeah. Um, I definitely would expect so. Um, I I expect a different outcome in terms of effort. Um, I'll definitely expect a different outcome in terms of preparation and execution. You know, they just got to put it all together and, you know, they can, you know, have all the motivational conversations they want on game day when you got to lace it up in front of the opponent. Yeah, they're trying to take your head off too. They having the same conversations that Brandon Graham is having in the weight room, right? The Seahawks are currently uh, six and seven, if I'm not mistaken. So right now their record is below 500. They're below sea level. They know they have a chance to get into the playoffs. They know they're on a four game losing streak. They know that if they want to get in. 
they got to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to play like that, and they're going to leave it all out there like that. Regardless of who the quarterback is, the team plays hard, they play fast, they play physical, and they want it just as bad as the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's not get it twisted that this is going to be a game where it's all it's all going to come down to it's all going to come down to what the whatever the Philadelphia Eagles want to do. It's going to come down to the Seahawks as well. So um, the best team is going to win on that day. Um, the more prepared team is going to win on that day. The team that executes the most is going to win on that day. So um, just again, just as much as the Philadelphia Eagles are looking to right the ship, the, uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks are looking forward to writing the ship as well. But I think I agree with you, obviously. But I think if you have the right frame of mind, if I'm just breaking this down from a talent standpoint, it's the mm-hmm. Eagles. It's the Eagles in this one. And, you know, we'll, we'll get in a, a little bit deeper. Uh, some of our predictions. I might have somebody from Seattle for us uh, tomorrow who actually played for the Seahawks. I'm working on that. So I don't want okay. to say, but I was working on it last night. Um, so I, I, I'm either setting that up for tomorrow or Monday. I'll, I'll let you know. I should have told you this during, <laughs> during no, the no, show. It's good, man. We're having anyway. a conversation, man. We're just two guys in a bar. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, nonetheless, um, I thought it was interesting yesterday, Sean Desai and the coordinator spoke yesterday, Sean Desai, Brian Johnson and Michael Clay all spoke to the, to the media yesterday. Right. And, and he said, look, he said things that are obvious that every coach is going to say, I still have confidence in my guys, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We, we get it. Um, but you, if you really dig deep, and we're going to talk to Les Bowen about this coming up at 1130. And by the way, we have Keith Pompey at noon. Uh, yeah, I love Sixers. Keith, man. I'm looking forward to that because, you know, I know everybody's poo-pooing who they're playing and all that. But the Sixers are, and Embiid is out of his mind right now. But mm-hmm. anyway, we'll get to that. But I thought what was interesting from Desai, he really got, I thought, real with what the issues are. He he, he was He talked about third down. He talked about red zone. He talked about takeaways talked about some of the, the things that they need to do better. And I, I really believe in the Novacare complex this week from talking to people down there that the approach was one that was of not only urgency, but we need to change things up here. Uh, and, and that came from the, from the head man. So hmm. I think you're going to see a little bit different approach on offense and defense. Now, there's only so much you can do with personnel and, and what you have and what you don't have. But I think they're at least going to try to go about things a little bit differently this week, where the last two weeks it was pretty obvious that this isn't working. And it may work against the Giants and the Cardinals, but it's not going to work when you get to the playoffs. So start doing it now and incorporate that. Yeah, you bring up a good point, right? The changing of approach. Um, Because that's the best they can do at this point, right? The roster is what it is, especially on the defensive side. Nothing about that personnel is going to change or improve Um, at this point. That roster is as it is, and it's going to be that way going into the playoffs. So all they can really hope for or all they really can control is effort, execution, and approach. Yep. They can't change talent. They can't change um, ability. You know, they can't change any of those things. They can control the effort. They can control the execution. They can control preparation, right? And sometimes that's something that can at least help you tread water, knowing you're limited in certain spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, on the offensive side, similar. They have the personnel, though. That's the only difference. They have the talent. That's The talent has never been an issue on the offensive side of the ball. They have an offensive line. They got weapons on the outside, weapons on the inside. Um, they have a, a running back who's capable of breaking a solid 20, 30-yard run on you and you know breaking it back with that that you can, that you can use in different ways. Um, they have a quarterback um, that uh, that's been an All Pro. Um, they have a quarterback that's been a Pro Bowler that's made it to a Super Bowl. 
uh, a quarterback um, that has a more uh, more tools in the toolbox than most quarterbacks. So um, they have to do whatever they possibly can to dig deep and utilize what they do, what they can control. So offense side of the ball, man, they've been predictable. They have been. Yeah. So what will you do differently? What's going to be your different approach? Are we going to see um, – are we going to lean more into what Jalen Hurts does well, and that's the RPO because they not they're not running the RPO at the same rate as they as they were last year, right? I don't want to hear they're not doing it because they want to protect Jalen Hurts. Well, how much do you want to protect them? You're you're, you're running him a quarterback draws two, three, four times a game, mm-hmm. so that can't be the reason why you're trying to protect them. What what, what is what, what is what is this what is this uh this this identity that they're trying to create this season? And I think that's been the issue. I feel like they've been playing tug of war with themselves. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have a quarterback who's talented and who's still developing. Let's keep that very clear. Jalen Hurts is far from a finished product. And anybody who wants to believe that he is a finished product is disrespectful to him because it dis, uh, it discounts the work he's put in. It discounts the distance traveled and it discounts that he has so much more to do. And he knows that it kind of goes against his own philosophy. So it kind of strikes me. It kind of strikes me when people like to pretend like, you know, he's just this untouchable perfect perfect being at the position it's like no he clearly has things he has to work on we've we're seeing it week in and week out right so again i think in order for this philadelphia eagles team to get where they want to be especially with this especially with the limitations on the defense jalen hurts has to be phenomenal well you bring up something interesting because we tend to the way it works with quarterbacks a lot of times we fall in love and then we're fiercely loyal and don't want to hear anything to the contrary that he's that, that so and so is not playing well. And I'll back it up in a minute. But then, then when people dive off, they're off. I think Wentz is a great example. So Wentz has the incredible 2017 season. We all know what happens. He gets injured and all those kind of things. And then he's trying right. to come back, and he's clearly not the same. And then it got to the point where not only was he not able to play well on the field, we're hearing a lot of stuff about him in the locker room too. You know, jerk like behavior. Okay. And it took a while for people to accept it, buy into it. They didn't want to hear it. I I, I thought he was going to get it turned around. I, I'm one who thought I did, he was going I, to get it turned around. I did as well. I, I, yeah. I was a fierce Carson Wentz defender. Yeah. And, and you know, then it became – you understood like it was untenable and he had to go. But it takes us a while. Now, I think we're – I'm not comparing Jalen to Carson Wentz in any way, shape, or form in terms of performance or being a jerk or any of that. But it's okay to look at it and say, you know what? He's not pulling his weight right now. He's got to be better. As much as we're critical of the play calling, and rightfully so, there are plays there to be made that he's got to make. So he's got to be better too. And look, he knows this. He's aware of this. He is. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's as accountable as they come. And that's all great. I want to see it on the field. I love that he that he knows it, but I want to see it executed on the field. He's got to be better too. So it's all of them, really. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what people like to do they like to say, well, they like to say, well, did you see that Bills game? Did you see uh, the plays he made at the end of that Chiefs game? It's like, yeah, of course I saw. It. We all saw it, right? But this right. is a week to week league, right? What you did in week one means nothing to week right. twelve, week thirteen, or what you did in what you did in week twelve, or week or or week eleven means nothing to week fourteen and fifteen, right? So um, these guys are in a, are are in a position or. They uh, their job entails them having to prove it each and every week. It's not like the NBA or the NHL where you have games back to back to back, and 
you know, you had you can kind of slack off a little bit against certain opponents, and you know, your schedule is pretty much going to be the same every year. It's just going to be shuffled for the most right. part. You know, what I mean, you're playing the same teams every year. It's, just, it's 82 games. You're going to play everybody, but it, it just shuffles in the in, in, in the NFL. You're not going to play the same teams every year. Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule means so much more than it does in any other sport. Um, so you have to go and improve it every single week. And a guy like Jalen Hurts understands that. And I'm I'm operating off of Jalen Hurts' frequency, right? And what I mean by that is he doesn't seem like the type of player that falls in love with what he did the week prior. No. So why should we? Right. Right. Agree. He doesn't he, seem he, he doesn't. Let's hold him right? to the same standard he holds himself. Exactly. And that's all I expect from um, you know, my fellow Eagles fans, right? Um, Jalen Hurts isn't the kind of player that you need to um coddle or fall off a cliff for. Yeah. He understands what's at stake here. He also understands what he's capable of, what his limitations are, what he needs to work on, how he's been performing. I'm always going to try to operate off of his barometer, right? If he's saying, yeah, we're not playing well right now, we're not playing up to the standard, hey, that's that's what it is then. right? You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie when he he just said it. You know, He right. just said they're not playing up to the standard. Mm-hmm. But then I'm going to sit here and say, well, they're 10 and 3, so it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Like, come on, that's 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 not... It's not fair to him. It's not fair to you know the, the things they're experiencing. Let me flip it back to uh, to the defense. Now I'm, I'm not going to tell you anything we haven't discussed during the week, but I but these are the things that I want to see. I want to see them at least get incrementally better at tone. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you're going to flip a switch and everything's going to be fine in the Seattle game, but I, they have to be better at these things. Okay, so third down efficiency. They're the worst in the NFL. I, I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. I know they've had some injuries, and I know they they lost some pieces, but it, they can't be last. Okay? Defensively, right? Def- I'm sorry, I'm talking defense here. Okay. So they, they're get their other teams are um, converting at a 48 percent clip, which is the worst in the NFL. Mm. Last three games, listen to this. It jumps up to 61.2. Okay, that is a joke. You're, you're converting on third down better than 50 percent on this Eagles team. It's laughable. They're last in sacks on third down. Okay. So all this stuff goes hand in hand. Yes, we can kill the secondary all we want, but the big boys up front have to get home. Okay. That's that's one thing. Let's go to red zone. They're the third worst team in the NFL. Teams are converting almost 71% of the time a touchdown on them in the red zone. It's a staggering number. In fact, in the last three games, 11 touchdowns in 12 attempts in the last three games it's almost automatic that if they get inside the 20 they're scoring a touchdown not a field goal and not nothing a touchdown two more things 21 takeaways okay i'm sorry they're 21st in takeaways and they're 29th in interceptions they have six interceptions right now which is the grand total of cjgj last year by himself so that's that is laughable so these are the things that have to be corrected if you want to have a shot at the playoffs. You might be able to beat Seattle. You might be able to beat the Giants. You might be able to beat the Cardinals. You will not win come postseason time unless this gets better. Not great, but better at least. Um, Everything you're saying uh, makes perfect sense. Uh, One thing I will push back on is um, the the third down sack stat. Um, You're right. they they, They do need to finish more third down. Um, you know, getting a second, third down helps everybody, right? But here's the thing we got to keep in mind, um, on, at least on the defensive side and how teams are preparing for the Philadelphia Eagles. They know and understand completely that this pass rush is their bread and butter. 
they know that they struggle on the back end with linebackers and DBs, and they can't cover uh, a kid in a the blanket. They can't cover. They 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 can't cover anything. So what's happening is um, we're seeing coordinators prep their quarterbacks to get the ball out much quicker yep. than they probably normally would. Case in point, Sam Howe in the Washington Commanders matchups. Eric Bieniemy had the perfect game plan against the Philadelphia Eagles. Get the ball out quick. Um, there's there's going to be somebody open. Um, the pass rush can only get home by so many times. Sam Howe is leading the league in sacks, yet the Philadelphia Eagles only sacked him, what, one time or two times between two games? So that's not an accident. That's game planning. So what I, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, when it comes to first downs, opponent first downs per game, right? Did you know the Philadelphia Eagles are the worst team in terms of giving up first downs via yes. the pass? Yes. So that tells me, Obviously, the pass isn't getting home, but also that tells me the DBs can't cover anybody. So if the quarterbacks are prepping to get the ball out faster than normal, that prevents the pass from getting there, even if they try their best, even if they beat their man. That prevents them from getting there. Yeah. So guys on the guys on the back end have to hold up. If they're not holding up even for two seconds, how can I get home? Well, the, the problem, too, is they're not a particularly good, and Coach Marcus points this out, they're not a particularly good tackling team, which means – if you're throwing a five-yard slant to get rid of the ball quickly, if there's a blown tackle by your linebacker or your safety or whatever, whoever it is, that's that a, turns that, in that goes from that's five even, yards. That's even more to my point. The twenty-five yards, right? Yeah. But but here's the thing too. I also this is where I, I'm going to put this on Sean Desai. Like, no shit, teams are throwing the ball quick. That's the book on you. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to figure it out? What are you doing to counter that? What are you doing to to even though you might have weaknesses there. This is what good coaches do. They cover up some weaknesses. You can only fix so much. I understand. But like I, I feel like, and I don't mean you. No, no. I feel you. like there's a lot of people that are just like throw their hands up, like, hey, what are you gonna do? They're getting out quick. Okay, like counter it. But what are you doing? They're at the bottom of everything, though, Rob. Like, I know if, if they they're were Tony, this is a bad defense. If they were in the 20s, I'm like, okay, they, they can work with they're at the bottom of everything, which means that that's yep. That's beyond scheme. That's just we don't have the guys there. Yeah, you know, not and, the horses. and, and you that know, falls and, on Howie, by the yeah, way. Yes, and I, and I don't and I don't think your your line of thinking is wrong, right? You know, the fact of the matter is, as a coordinator, you have to do whatever you can to mask your deficiencies. But damn, how many how many times can you plug a hole in the ship before the you know before it sinks? Right? right. You know, you plug one hole, all of a sudden another one comes, and now you're just <laughs> yeah. you don't have enough arms, you don't have enough fingers to or plug tape. these holes. Yeah. So, um. I understand. I understand your premise, and like it, it's it's not it's not wrong, um, but I struggle with this linebacker core. I struggle with Bradbury's performance. Um, I struggle with Kevin Byers' performances as of late. Um, Darius Slay's been okay. He's been, he's been nothing really. Um, but but Byers hasn't done anything. Yeah, I, I, outside of that interception in KC, I mean, Kevin Byers hasn't really um, made too much of an impact. So that's been a disappointment. If, if we're being frank about it. Um, you know, I'm 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 not I'm not you know discounting the work he puts in every week, but it's just we're we're not we're not seeing the return on yeah um on investment or and the it's return. It's not just him. Like, like we all yeah. know it's it's pretty much everybody back there. You know? Right, right, and but, you know another thing is again this defensive line. You know, I don't like making excuses for guys, but they know that whole defense knows the def they lean on that D line. You know, it's been times in Darius Slade's press conferences where he where he realizes that you know a you know, we you know we lean on those guys up front. You know what I mean? They make our jobs easier. Yeah. And if if they if if the D line gets off, and they're doing their best to you know 
stop. They, they got to stop the run on top of that. And they, they, they can depend on the linebackers, right? And they got to make sure they worry about the pass. It's it's they're, they're, that, that defensive line is being asked to um, control a lot of the defense side of the ball. And those linebackers and DBs, they're not holding up their end of the bargain, man. I agree with you. I think that's a bigger issue, but I also know that that's a bunch of first rounders and high paid dudes who who yeah, got to figure it out too to an extent. And I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but all no, right. So a couple a couple other things um, offensively. I, as I've said to you, I've been I've been saying this to you for a couple of weeks now. I, I I truly believe the offense is going to be fine. I think they will make the adjustments that are, that's needed. I think the talent's there. The difference between the offense and the defense is. The talent is there offensively. The talent ain't there defensively. So uh, you got to figure it out. Again, this is Brian Johnson and Nick. What's happened the last couple of weeks? Is it just the fact that you face two nasty defenses? And by the way, that's not even a good enough excuse because no, it's not. Because I know how good they are, well. but I also I watched Seattle go up and down the field on Dallas uh, a couple weeks ago. So I, I don't want to hear, oh my God, you face the Niners and the Cowboys. You got to be better offensively. And this is also where you're going to have to outscore teams. Plain and simple. It's it's not ideal. It's not the way you draw it up, but that's the way this team is structured. So there's more emphasis on the offense than there is the defense, and there's more responsibility on their shoulders, and that's just the way it goes. They got yeah. That that puts more pressure actually on Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson. The the microscope is that much more closer on them because we came. We it's so it's so freaking crazy, Rob. Coming into the season, we knew. This offense is going to have to outscore guys. We like we we knew that, right? And it's really playing out in front of us. Um, it's just happening in such a way that um it's it's nerve-wracking, right? Again, blowing out and so on and so forth. But we knew this offense was going to have to be their bread and butter. We knew this, right? And we knew Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurst, those guys were gonna have to be on their A game. And so far they haven't over the past couple of weeks. They haven't. Actually, if you really want to look at the whole season, you know, and not be blinded by the record, none of these guys have truly truly been on their a game right you know maybe they have a week where they're on their b game the b minus game c plus game right but consistently can i say this philadelphia eagles offense consistently has been on their a game i think not i i i think you can really say that about all year i i, I can't yeah, i, I yeah. mean they were awesome in a couple of second halves the buffalo game they were awesome in the second half they were right. they did a nice job against kansas city in the second half but I don't know that there's a game where I came away, and maybe Minnesota earlier, Tampa earlier. But I, there, I don't. There aren't many games where I came away saying that looked like last year. That looked like the Eagles' offense that I saw slice and dice. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the part too. I don't feel like Nick, Brian, whomever you want to lay it on. I don't really care, frankly, who, who you want to finger point right. at. I want them to figure out a counter to what these teams are doing. And I don't feel like they have yet. They haven't done it enough. And See, you're running I, out of track here. To I'm be so able glad to you it. said that. I'm so glad yeah. you said that, Rob. That just set this up perfectly. I was talking to John McMullen, and they haven't evolved. John McMullen says it. David yeah. and Garrow said it when, when we had him on. They haven't evolved, right? And I'm willing to argue and say they haven't evolved, evolved since 2021. 100%. They haven't. They haven't developed counters to the blitz yet. Yep. You've had Jalen Hurts as a quarterback for three seasons. You haven't come up with the counter to the blitz you haven't come up with a counter so he can respond better um, to various blitzes so on and so forth. You 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 have got you have guys like AJ Brown coming into the season saying yeah they're throwing thing at us that you know we didn't expect. What? Like come on man. Uh-huh. What like yeah I, yeah, like, I don't want to like, hear you. We didn't how, how are you? How, how are you? Like what are you doing in the self in the self scouting department? Yeah, what's right? the buildup? What are you doing during the week? Because in my opinion, right, 
if I'm a coach and I'm evaluating my 2022 season, we're coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. Okay, I'm looking at all the things we did well, right? But I'm also thinking about ways that this cannot go well. I'm thinking about, okay, if I wanted to stop my defense, what would someone do? What what can I do to exploit Jalen Hurts' weaknesses, right? Yep. And then I'm sitting there next. Okay, now what's the counter to that? How can I prepare Jalen Hurts and these guys to bounce back? So you know mm-hmm. we'll see, man. You know I I, I, I can't I can't I can't wait to uh, speak to Les Bowman about yeah, this, man. Yeah, let's hit it. Let's hit it because Les is coming up, and uh, he 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 has a very festive shot that I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I I'm excited about this. So let's get a quick timeout and. Less is in the holiday mood. That's gonna it's gonna brighten the Eagles fans' mood. Okay, so I let's get it. a quickie in here. We'll talk to Les Bowen, who has covered this team uh, in an unbelievable way for a very long time. Let me tell you right now about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Thrilled that they're a part of the station, part of the show. Been going there since 1985. Family owned. Alex and the crew. Every single day, great variety. Twenty different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. Uh, they have specialized pizza. However you want it, they will make it for you. But not just pizza. Fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps wings, salads, you name it. Also, Bravo Pizza of Havertown is committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for little leagues, for schools, you name it, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, Pennsylvania. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810, 646-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. 
Go with trust. Go Bert! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Thanks for hanging out with us. Tone to Shields, Rob Ellis, hit the like button if you could. All right, joining us right now, Les, I'm going to guess the first year that you covered the birds. I'm going to say you you began right around 2000. Would I be close? Very close. It was 2002. It was the year of the Tampa Bay debacle. That was my first uh, uh, brush with uh, the the resounding disappointments of that era. <laughs> and it was probably one of the most memorable games I've ever covered. But yeah, that was my first year. I, I was still covering Flyers in 2000. Heck of a playoff run for the Flyers oh, yeah. in 2000. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, right after the Winter Olympics. I went to the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City in 2002 and uh, came back and started covering the Eagles just as they got rid of Jeremiah Trotter for the first time. Oh, that's right. That's right. Now, I know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Les, did you start a newsletter where people can check you out? What, what, where can people? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a new thing. I'm calling it Les Bowens John, lesbowensjohn.com, spelled in the traditional way. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I don't need any money from it or anything. I'm just trying to, you know, have some fun and, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a whore for attention, basically. <laughs> Get in line, Les. We all are. Yes. Uh, I, by the way, I love the shot. Love the shot. Cool, cool. What's well, going on in the house today? I have a better background in there, but okay. you know, so I'm out on the back porch. Uh, I had the space heater plugged in, but then it kind of blew the uh, the circuit, so I kind of had to turn that off. But I'm doing all right. It's all right, a, you're a gamer. Okay, you're sounds gamer. good. Sounds good. Right, so let's start with this, Les. I want to I want to start with the defensive side of the ball. Um, and Tony and I just we're, we just had a pretty spirited debate about uh-huh. this. But how um, how fixable is it? I mean, there, I know there's only so much you can do with personnel, but man, the numbers are just in the basement, almost across yeah. the board. How much better can they be in your estimation? It's scary. I mean, I was listening to Sean Desai yesterday, and he's talking about the last two games, which of course have been just as bad as defense has ever been anywhere yeah. in, in any era. But it's not just the last two games. I mean, we know that. We can see the league rankings. Uh, this is an historically bad defense. And uh, can it get better? Well, yeah. I mean, the the front 
the defensive line ought to be as good as anybody's defensive line anywhere in the league. Except it seems like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter have maybe hit the wall a little bit, rookie wall. They aren't playing nearly as well as they were earlier. Josh Sweat isn't getting the kind of pressure that, uh, you know, he was getting earlier. Uh, they can do better there if guys are, you know, rested up enough or whatever the heck is going on there. Uh, mm -hmm. But are they going to be a lot better at linebacker or in the back end? Kind of think they are what they are. Maybe Sean Desai can do a better job, as he always says, of putting them in better positions. But uh, you know, it's it is kind of what it is. Uh, they they've made so yeah. They went out and got Roby. They went out and got Byard, and it hasn't really moved the needle. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, Les. Uh, thanks again for coming on to the show. You know, you you think about this team more notably the coaching staff and. They've been under fire pretty much all season for the decision making, the game plans, the play calling, so on and so forth. You know, I'm curious to know what's been your overall evaluation of not just Sean Desai, but uh, Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni and how they've been trying to get their job done and deploy their philosophies. You know, I've been underwhelmed, Tone. Uh, let me back up and say it, it is one of the things we, we thought about getting ready for this season is how hard it is to get back to the Super Bowl, right. especially if you just got there and lost. Uh, I, Tim McManus from ESPN had a good stat in the preseason about, I think, the Minnesota Vikings in 1974 were the last NFC team to return to the Super Bowl after losing it the year before. I mean, a lot of stuff conspires against you. You played a horrendously long year and you didn't get any reward out of it. Uh, you know, Nick took it very easy on them in the uh the, the spring stuff and all mm -hmm. that. They didn't even have to show up for most of it. Uh, it it's kind of and injuries catch up with you and so on. But I that all that having been said, the coaching staff, they seem to go into this season flat-footed. They didn't anticipate that teams would really look at the RPOs and figure out ways to limit that. They didn't really tweak or reimagine anything uh you know sean desai I, he had he's new here and he has five starters from last year that aren't here uh in that respect he might not be as culpable as the other guys uh, with brian johnson i thought that would just work out wonderfully you know because he has lifelong history with Jalen hurts and he was here last year as the quarterback's coach it's not like he wasn't watching shane steichen a lot more closely than we were, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but I haven't seen innovation. I haven't seen, uh, you know, like last week when they wouldn't throw to the middle of the field and his explanation was, well, we really liked the, uh, the matchups we had on the perimeter. Well, okay. But the perimeter is the perimeter. There's a sideline there that acts as an extra defender. And I'm not even <laughs> an guy, you know, but I know that. And if the, you have guys like A.J. Brown that are wonderful in the middle of the field, you know, or Dallas Goddard. Uh, you know what? Especially when it's like halftime and it's 24 to 6 and you haven't been able to make the perimeter work for you. How about trying something a little different? You know, and you just don't see every week on these broadcasts, you hear the uh, analysts talk about, Boy, wasn't that a great play design, how they got 
you know, they, they managed to put the linebacker in conflict and, you know, the Eagles uh, linebacker didn't know whether to cover this guy or this guy. You don't ever hear that said when the Eagles have the ball. Yep. Just seem to want AJ Brown and Devontae Smith to beat the guys covering them and they'll throw the ball up for them and the leader get it or not. And I don't know. I could, you know, I'm sure you want to ask another question, but I can go on. No, I, no, 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 I love this. Yeah, because I mean, Rob, I mean, I'm sure you would agree with this, right? Yeah. Less that 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 has to be malpractice on the coaching side. I mean, you've you've yeah. been coaching this team since 2021. The scheme is pretty much the scheme in the system, man. What you guys have been doing has been pretty much the same, and yeah. you've failed to evolve this offense and it's so funny you say um you know they they refused to go into the middle of the field and um they stayed on the perimeter and that's kind of that's kind of their mo all throughout the season right Sean Desai said at press conference well you know McCarthy those guys did something different than we expected well why don't the, why, why can't the offense do something different than what other defenses expect right you know I, I feel like the coaching staff yeah. has been living off of the lifeblood of this talent and they have not been doing a good job at you know their own jobs right you know they're expecting the guys to win their matchups okay coaches maybe you can win your matchup next time and the other thing yeah, let's really real quick on that it, it's rare that you don't have an identity and, and right. like for I don't know what they are. Like, you know, they're a 10 and three team and it's tied for the best record in football. And, yeah. and it's unbelievable. But what are they exactly? I don't know. You know, they people want them to run the ball all the time. And I kind of resist that a little bit because to me, I've been hearing that ever since I started covering the Eagles. Yeah. And there's some people that are just stuck in the 20th century. You know, you need a big running back you need a linebacker that's gonna you know dominate the field like jeremiah trotter did you know that this that's not the era that we're in but they don't have you know like this dallas game there was a point in the early in the second half when they just started running like four or five times in a row well where did that come from why were they doing that what was was it setting up something a couldn't tell if it was. I mean, they ignore the run for long stretches of the game, and then they go through fits of doing it. And then I, I just don't know what – you're right. I don't know what their identity is. And I really hate what this is doing to Jalen Hurts. You know, Hurts is getting a lot of flack. Some of it deserved. But you see him go out there like two weeks ago against the Niners, and he's standing back there looking around. You know, kind of direct guys like, no, no, run over there. Yeah, okay, try try this way a little bit. You know, the offensive line is holding off the pass rush for yeah. like 10 seconds. Something's wrong there. Jalen Hurts isn't an idiot. Yeah. You know, I mean, what? why can't they have plays where Jalen Hurts drops back, finds a receiver, and throws the ball? You never see that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it. I – it, it's a mess, and it really uh, confounds me, frankly. And I don't, we don't get good answers on these things. Uh, they don't seem to see it the way we see it. I, I don't understand that. I, I really don't. I, I don't see how anybody who's been around the NFL for a long time, like these guys have, can watch the film of these games and think, well, we're we're doing the right things, but you know, we just need to. You know, some that route needs to be a little tighter or, you know, somebody needs to hold his block a little longer. That's no, it's it's you need to do something different. You really do. Well, I think the interesting thing about that, Les, is, you know, you see, look at a team like the Niners who play to the strengths of Purdy and it's out quick. You know, they're utilizing Debo, who's kind of built like AJ is. 
and it's like the Eagles, it feels like it's very slow developing. There's very little eye yeah. candy before the snap. And you've lived through this. I mean, one of the biggest downfalls of good coaches is when you lose your assistance. Andy went through yeah. it. Doug went through it. And and yeah. I'm worried that we might – and I'm not ready to pronounce anything yet. It's too early. But I feel like we might be going down that same road here with the Eagles. Yeah, especially when you look at some of these issues – like maybe not offense. Well, with Brian Johnson certainly, but look at the defense and the position coaches. Uh, the fact that they lost Denard Wilson, who was the uh, defensive backs coach, because they didn't promote him, they promote they went out and got Sean Desai instead of making Denard Wilson the the coordinator. Are the DBs being coached well right now? Are the linebackers being coached well right now? Gannon took the linebackers coach with him to Arizona. Uh, who are these guys they put in here? You know, they're not like renowned NFL coaches. Uh, I brought up to someone else this week uh, that that broadcast of the Eagles Cowboys. They spent a lot of time on Al Harris, who's the uh, mm -hmm. Cowboys defensive backs coach, who was on yes. that Eagles team, that first Eagles team I covered. Right. Probably the best dressed Eagle of that era, <laughs> I would say. Um, but they, you know, Al Harris is – He's probably going to be a defensive coordinator after this season somewhere. Uh, you know, this is a guy with a resume, with a background, with people know who Al Harris is. Mm -hmm. Who are these guys and what are they doing? You know, why isn't Sidney Brown ready to be, you know, an every down player? What, what why does, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Eli Ricks look like he's never played football before when right. they put him out here or the, the guy they tried to use uh, who took the penalties on the two penalties on the same play. Uh, Kelly Ringo. Yeah. Kelly yeah, Ringo. Kelly Ringo the, yeah. The draft pick this year. Yep. It's game, whatever, you know, it's, it, they're, the season's almost over. I mean, it's, it, if you throw that guy out there in week one and he doesn't know what he's doing, that's okay. But no, you know, it's, it's time. And they need these guys to step up. They've, they've invested draft capital. And all these guys from Georgia and Alabama, and we've lauded them for doing this. But, you know, N'Kobe Dean is out for the season. Uh, you know, we don't – Nolan Smith is finally getting a few reps here and there. Uh, a lot of this, Kaylee Ringo, you know, it, so far it's it's a mixed bag. It really is, other than Jalen Carter. You know, you, you know, Les, you know, when you look at this team, right, you know, injuries happen and some things you can't control, right? But I think what, may, I think what makes this – situation for the Philadelphia Eagles so scary is because a lot of the things that's going on is things that they can most likely probably control. Um, you know, getting your guys on the field early enough in the season so they can get some reps. Um, you know, having a a better approach in terms of your offense, um, so on and so forth. And you know, one can you know one can only ask, you know, has this team, you know, been skating on thin ice all season, but we've just been ignoring it because they've been winning games. Yeah. Well I think that's absolutely true they get a little bit of a mulligan for me because they have played a, an incredibly tough schedule. Mm -hmm. And some of these wins would have been more impressive if they'd been playing a lower caliber of opponent, you know, but they weren't, you know, and I think your hope is that they skate through these games that they win miraculously when somebody drops a pass or something and they learn from it and get better. But you know, oftentimes in sports, that's not how it works. And I I bring up when I covered the Flyers a lot because the Flyers played 82 games a year, and you get to see all kinds of different trends and 
you know, ups and downs. And whenever the Flyers won a game that they shouldn't have won, that, you know, maybe the other goalie let in a couple bad goals and they didn't really play very well, but they won. That didn't lead to, you know, they didn't go on a great streak of playing great after that. What tended to happen is they they got their butts kicked the next night because they were kind of like, hey, yeah, everything's going to work out all right, you know. And I kind of think we saw that from the Eagles, even though they kept claiming that that they were going to make corrections and they were going to, you know, get these things right. I think the other the, the opposite happened. I think their problems became more entrenched and they didn't really go to the wall to to change the things that were wrong. They, they just sort of, well, you know, Kansas City, really good team. Yeah, they dropped the ball, but their receivers aren't that good. So, yeah, we'll be all right, you know. And it's no, you know, you have to Buffalo, you know, that Sean decides thing about the last two weeks and the defense, watch the Buffalo game mm. and how their defense. Play. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah, the, Alan, Alan, other than that pick less carved them up. I mean, he, and I yes. does that against a lot of teams, but he, he did, he took them apart in that game. L- let me ask you, I, I think we all agree that Sirianni is a good emotional leader who connects. And I think all of those, that's very important stuff. No doubt. Yes. Kenny X and O is way out of this ah, is the big question for me right that now. That is a great question. And that's one I ponder, Rob. I wish I had a good answer for you because mm-hmm. that's something that I have kind of had in the back of my mind for a while. And coaches kind of fall into categories. And you're right. That is his category. He's the emotional leader guy. He's not the strategic genius guy. Maybe he needs a strategic genius guy, mm-hmm. you know, in his corner to help him out a little bit with that stuff. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being an emotional leader type mm-hmm. of guy. It, obviously, I mean, last year showed us you can have great success that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, I mean, he connects with the players. It's almost like he's a much younger person than, than he really is. He's almost mm-hmm. like a 25 year old running around out there on the sideline, you know, mm-hmm. jumping up and down and, so we, we used to make when things were good, we made fun of like how Jalen Hurts would try to like calm him down. Yeah. You know, like Jalen was like his dad or something, you know, but <laughs> yeah, that's kind of who he is. You know, mm-hmm. he is not uh, the, the cerebral, uh, no. you know, buttoned uh, up mastermind yeah. kind yeah. of guy. Right. And, you know, that's that's you got to figure a way. Jeffrey Lurie certainly is the, you know, is more toward that line of football and i don't think this is going to last the way it is you know if this season goes down in flames Lurie will have a few thoughts about what nick needs to do next some of the emotional that worked out with doug peterson so uh you know we'll just uh it's going to be real interesting around here if they don't win this week i guess is one thing i'm saying yeah yeah you know less you know we're watching these games these past couple weeks and the body language hasn't been right. Um, the sideline um, camera cuts. You know, you know, looking looking at these, looking at the players' faces and looking at the coaches' faces. Um, it, it just hasn't been right. I'm looking. At, I'm looking at Nick Sirianni in that Dallas game, and he just looks. He looked like a man that had no answers for what was going on right. in front of him, and yeah. that's not a good place to be because you know we may not be astute on X's and O's. We may not be the the, the you know the greatest football minds in the room, but. I know what it looks like when a man doesn't have answers. And that's what it looked like on that sideline in Dallas. And, you know, I'm curious to know, do you believe the players, based on what we've seen the past couple of games, based off the body language, based off what we're seeing from them emotionally, right? Do you believe that 
or do you think it's plausible that these players are disenchanted with the game plan? Do you believe they still have confidence in what Nick Sirianni is telling them from a game plan perspective? Well, Tony, you've already seen a little bit of evidence of that. I think Derek Gunn uh, quoted an anonymous player the other day as, as complaining about how predictable the offense was and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, this is what happens when things aren't going well. You know, I've been around – I've been fortunate in covering the Eagles. I haven't covered a lot of really terrible teams, but I've covered a few. That 4-12 and 12 year, the last year of Andy, the last year of Doug, uh, even the last year of Chip Kelly, which wasn't – the team wasn't horrendous, but it was certainly disappointing. You know, there's a point – the big thing athletes want from a coach is, can you make me better? You know, can you lead me on into success? And what you were saying about Nick not having answers, I mean, that's that'll kill you in the locker room. You know, players can see that, and that that doesn't go well with anybody. These are short, finite careers these guys have, and they want things to be moving in the right direction. If things are moving in the wrong direction, before too long, you're going to get, well, you know, I'm doing my job, uh, but uh, that guy over there, you know, you know, it's it, it teams fall apart quickly. Listen, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, like you said, players, can you make me better? And I feel like yeah. as a coach, your job is to elevate your your job is to elevate your players. It's not the players job to elevate the coaches. And I right. feel like this when you really look at this in a, in, in a three year span, I feel like these players have been elevating these coaches. And now we're seeing these guys. OK, the league is caught up with what you're doing. Now, what can you do to put these guys in a better position so you can elevate their talent? And we're not seeing that. So I think, to me, in my personal opinion, I think the trust is starting to wane between Nick Sirianni and his personnel because I think they're saying, okay, what are you doing to make us better? What are you doing to schematically get us out of these situations? Things are growing stale. Teams are catching up to us. And that's exactly what happened with Chip Kelly, by the way, if you remember. I mean, everybody honed in on Chip not talking to people in the hallway and stuff like that, which was a factor. But when they were winning, nobody cared, you know. Um, but when his place, when they figured out that the, his hurry up only allowed them to call like five or six different plays and that every defense in the league could could figure out which one of those plays was coming next, uh, that became a problem for Chip a lot more than than the fact that he was a poor communicator. You know, yeah, you need to adjust. And this is going to be – the denouement of this season is going to be fascinating to me because, you know, you're not going to fire Nick Sirianni the year after going to the Super Bowl. But he's going to if, – if this goes up in flames, he's going to be asked to make some major changes. I mean, Lurie isn't going to say, well, Nick, you know, year after the Super Bowl, what are you going to do, blah, blah, blah. No. You know, it's uh, – it's it. there's too much talent here to for this season to, to go like – it looks like it might be going. So they better win this week and they, you know, they probably better win a playoff game or two or Nick's going to have some things dictated to him, I think. And I don't know how he's going to take to that. All that said, Les, what, what's your sense of this one on Monday night? Uh, you got Seattle who's lost four straight, pretty desperate, yeah. not, not out of the playoff picture because the bottom of the NFC is terrible, frankly. Yeah. Um, it's a tough place to play. Even when that team's yeah. mediocre, they haven't won there since 08. Yeah. What do you think about this one? 
You'd sure like to see the Carolina Panthers show up on the schedule right now. <laughs> yes, you, know. you would. How about, how about the uh, Detroit Pistons? How about they show up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. they need a game like that. This isn't yeah. like that. You know, two of those four losses in a row are against the 49ers, who are pretty good. And the Cowboys. Uh, in fact, last week, Seattle looked a lot better against the 49ers than the Eagles did the week before. They almost beat the Cowboys less two weeks ago on Thursday. Yeah, I know. I know. I, know. It, I, I, I don't – I mean – Seattle at one point was six and three. They hadn't really beaten anybody except Cleveland in that six and three. Uh, now they've lost four in a row. They're not a bad team. Looking at their stats, they're a little bit like the Eagles, not in record wise, certainly yeah. not, but in that you don't know really what they are. They're not a great running team. They're not a great passing team. They're not a wonderful defensive team like they used to be. Uh, in terms of the Eagles not having won there, I, I do, you know, I do remember all those games. Uh, but Marshawn Lynch isn't going to be carrying people downfield uh, Monday night. Right. And Russell Wilson isn't going to be running around back there. So we can kind of throw a lot of that out the window. Uh, Geno Smith, is he going to be, is Geno going to play? Is he healed? Yeah. Uh, what can they do about DK Metcalf? Uh, I mean, Seattle can win this game. I don't think it's the kind of, atmosphere there that they once had where nobody ever went in there and won i you know it's a different setup now uh the eagles should win this game and if they don't i don't know what the hell happens after that but gotcha. uh you know it's not going to be like they're not going to jump out to a 21 to nothing lead in the first quarter and cruise mm-hmm. you know they're going to have to make some plays and uh they're gonna have to fix some things to win this game it's not going to be they have so much more talent and they'll just go into Seattle and crush these guys. So yeah. I'm really interested to see what, what they do. All right, Les, remind everybody again where they can check out your work, please. LesBowensJohn.com. No apostrophes or anything altogether. All right, Les, we appreciate it, man. Always fun catching up with you and looking forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Les. Thank you, Les. Great talking to you guys. I all really right. enjoyed it. Take care, Les. Uh, happy holidays, man. Uh, all right, let, let's get a quick time out in here, Tone. Good stuff from Les there. Very insightful. Let's get a timeout. Let's come back. We're going to talk to Keith Pompey about what's going on with the Sixers, who rolled again last night. After that, we're going to dive into the Seahawks, really get into their numbers, what's going on with them. We have our NFL segment coming up, as we always do. So a lot in store for you the rest of the way. Don't go anywhere. That's Tone. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take. All right, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Now, no one go to trust with your finances, right? It's imperative. It is. It should be you know priority one here for you. You work too hard not to have your money work for you, right? And I, man, I struggled to find the right person for a long time, but I did. I found somebody that I trust and is good in Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business, you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 996-4751. You could also email him as well. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. Appreciate you hanging with us. We just wrapped things up with Wes Ball. We'll be talking to Keith Pompey shortly. If you miss anything that we do, any show, whether it's guests or just segments that we're we're talking birds, uh, very easy. Just go to jacobsports.com, Jacob Sports YouTube channel. You can always go back and watch shows either in their entirety, like I said, segments, guests, whatever you need. Uh, it's all there, that's for sure. And again, uh, like I said, coming up in a little bit, uh, we'll go inside the the uh, the Seahawks a little bit and look at what's happened with them this year. Got off to a pretty decent start, but then they dropped four straight lately. They've had some injuries. We still haven't gotten word of whether or not um, Geno Smith is going to be playing, and obviously that's going to be big um, for sure. So there's a lot up in the air with this game, and it's it makes it a challenge, you know, to handicap it if you don't know if their quarterback is going to be playing because there's a big drop off from Geno Smith to Drew Locke. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Um, they got <laughs> they still got a toss test ahead of them, right? 
at this point in the season, the way the defense is playing, you can't get off the field on third down. And, you know, you're struggling in the red zone the way you are. You can't stop the run. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You know, if if a team is able to take advantage of you like that consistently, you're not going to win the game. Right. So um, a lot of pressure on everybody all the way around. Oh, listen, there's no question about it. You know, and Seattle's battling for playoff life and you have an Eagles team that still has legitimate hopes for a one seed. So look, there is a lot on the line and we know the history there. They haven't won there since 08. And I, you know, I always kind of go back and forth on that, how important that is, you know, what a team did 10 years ago. Does that really affect this team? I think what it does more than anything else, it just shows you a trend that it's hard to go there and win, you know, I mean, more than anything else, the personnel is completely different. The teams are completely different. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what it is more than anything else. Just a tough place to play, you know, and, and a good coach. Yeah. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you're right. It, it just shows the trend. It shows the trend that, you know, they're struggling to win you know, in that stadium. And, you know, I you know again, the way the Philadelphia Eagles are playing, I, I, I struggle to have uh, the utmost confidence uh, in them. Now, I still believe they are a good team overall, but they have a lot of limitations, a lot of issues. But, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more so curious about how far these Sixers can go because, yes, as you, know, I. you know, you know, they're, 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 they're playing really well right now. And granted, you know, they're beating the teams, they're beating the teams as opposed to beat, but, you know, I'm curious to hear what Keith has to say about these, these Philadelphia 76ers right now. Yeah. And they won 129, 111. And honestly, it really didn't even feel like it was that close uh, last night. And we are joined by the Sixers beat writer from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And you could follow Keith on X slash Twitter, whatever we're calling it these days, uh, <laughs> at uh, Pompeii on Sixers, at Pompeii on Sixers. Keith, what's up, man? How are you? What's good, fellas? How y'all doing? Great, man. Good to, good to see you. It's been a minute. Uh, so l- let's hit it, Keith. I, I got to tell you, forget. I know the Pistons are bad. I, I historically bad, maybe. Um, but this team has been flat out fun to watch. And I know cynics are going to clap back and say, "Call me in the second round," or whatever. And that's the way you want to go about it. Go right ahead. But does it feel different? Does it feel like when you talk to the players, you're around it every day, man? It just feels like. There's been a weight lifted off of them, whether it was Doc, whether it was Harden, whatever. It, it just a, a, it feels like a vastly different team than the, what they had last year. Yeah, and you know what? It is a vastly different team when you take the core away. I mean, you know, I mean, you have, of course, you have Tobias, you have Maxi, you have Joel, um, but but then you look at it outside of, and, and you have the Anthony Mountain. But outside of that, the other guys who came back really don't play a lot. So when you look at their bench and you look at these other guys, these are all veteran dudes um, who who came in, who've been on teams that went deep in the playoffs. And, and it's just, it is a completely different vibe. Like you said, different coach, but you have the core, but but now you have a different set of role players. So yeah, it is a, a, a different, a completely different vibe with this team. Yeah, Keith. Um, thanks again for coming on to the show, man. Um, love what you do. Uh, Locked on Sixers with you and John Mitchell. Um, I'm curious. You know, we speak about the role players, right? And it seems like you know they're starting to you know come into form. They're starting to come into shape. They're starting to produce a little bit more consistently. Um, coming off that bench, uh, what's been your overall evaluation of the role players? You know, guys like Batum, uh, Kelly Oubre. Um, you know, they have Morris back there. Um, um, Roko. Just what, what's been your overall evaluation of the ceiling? of uh you know of these role players 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, that's a great question because, you know, you think about it a lot. Like the thing is, I think individually you look at them all and, and you say to yourself, like, is this the best guy? No, is this the best guy? But but when you look at them playing in the system and you look at some of the different things that they do, I think the ceiling can be high because they all contribute and they all help out in different ways. Like you look at Batum, you know, Batum is kind of like a PJ Tucker type of guy, but with who's more productive, if that makes sense. Like meaning he's a guy that you get that you don't have to give the ball to, but you know when he gets that open shot, he's going to stick a three. You know that he's going to get his hands on the ball and he's going to get a steal and he's going to like get a nice outlet pass to somebody, right? But at the end of the day, you look at it and you say, man, he only had five points today, but he impacted the game. And then, you know, so you, you look at Robert Covington, you know, he's the dude that will come in, you know, he, he's a little streaky as a shooter, but at the same time, he's a he, he collects a lot of steals. He gets a lot of steals, gets his hands on balls, you know, with the length. And then, you know, Marcus Morris is a guy, in my opinion, who I felt like was struggling a little bit. And he, he kind of reminded me, he's like, look, Keith, what can I do in two minutes? What can I do in two minutes, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it just seems like, you know, he's been averaging, what, 17.2 minutes over the last nine games. And his game has taken off. He's shooting 56% from three. You know, he's, uh, you know, he, he, he's kind of like a leader on the field, I mean, on the court, right? So when you look at it, all three of those guys, when you say individually, they're not like, the sexy pick, but when you add them to the mix of all the other guys you have, you know, there's three solid guys who can come off the bench and help you out. And and if need be, they can, they're all capable of starting. I want to go back to Batum, Keith. I, I love the guy's game, man. I just think you, if you watch him, he does so many smart things on the court. He always makes the right pass. He knows when to screen off. He's got a quick release. He, he's he's a great complimentary piece to Maxie and Embiid. I, I really, I mean, like, he's a very underrated piece of the success that they're having so far, in my estimation. I think he's been awesome for them. Exactly. And, and you know what? I'm glad you said that. Very underrated. Because, see, a lot of people talk about, we all talk about Kelly Oubre's record with the Sixers, right? So I believe Kelly Oubre right about now might be, what, 12-1, and 11-1 with that. But the thing that people people forget is, okay, now they, they beat Indiana without Kelly, right? But then the next time they played Indiana, they had no Kelly and they had no Nicholas Batum, right? And then they, they played Boston without Batum. So, you know, he can do a lot of different things. But the thing is, when he, like, when he's not there, they miss them because even down to like Covington, you get like different guys have to play different roles. But the thing is, the one thing that I like the most about him is his selflessness. Like there was a time when he first came here, he said to me, he says, yeah, man, I got to get used to being involved. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, when I was in, um, in the Clippers, it was fine. My role was to just be, you know, a role player, like do little things. And now they want me to score a little more. And I was like, but he he wasn't complaining about the Clippers. He's just such a team player. Like he's, you know, other guys say it and you don't believe it because, you know, they just say it to say it. But he's a legitimate team player, a team first guy. You know, it's funny, like Batum's been in the league for a long time. Um, 
And you said something interesting, you know, uh, in, the, in the previous question, right? The fact that guys, even if they're not producing on the scoreboard, they are impacting the game. Do you think that's the main difference between this group of role players versus the ones the Sixers have had in the past? The fact that they have guys who, okay, maybe if they're not scoring, they still find ways to impact the game in ways that help you win. I do. I also think less is more, too. Mm. I, I, you know what I mean? I, I think, and I think I, I talked to you guys about this before. You know, I, I think that this team right now, they know, like, these guys have been around for a while. I mean, you look at Marcus Morris and from Philly, I love him, you know, went, you know, from uh, from North Philly, the whole nine. But he was a, wasn't a McDonald's All-American. He was a guy who had to, you know, keep trying to show people that he could play on that level. Patrick Beverly wasn't drafted, all these other guys. So when you look at these dudes, they're all like quintessential role players. And this is the reason why they're all in the league right now. I feel like in the past you had a couple guys who they were unhappy of their role, with their role. Like if you were a bench guy, you wanted to come in, you wanted to jack up threes. If you were a star, you wanted to go out there and you wanted to be the man. Right now, these, these guys, they all know that Joel's the man and they just want to do whatever it is to help the team win. And that, Keith, I, I drew the comp and, and it's not an exact comp, but it reminds me of the 0-1 Sixers a little bit in that you, you had a bunch of lunch pail dudes surrounding Iverson. I know Maxie's a piece of it too, so it's a little bit different. But you you have a lot of good complimentary piece. I think you also got tougher. You talk about Beverly. You talk about Morris. You, you, these dudes, the Sixers mi were, were missing an edge. And I think it's one of the reasons why they would go off the rails in big spots, that you didn't have those dudes. And I think that's going to help them later on in the season as well. Oh, no, no question. And the prime example was last night's game. So Isaiah Stewart gets kicked out of the game, but basically he was reacting to Beverly, kept – kept baiting them, kept baiting them, kept baiting them, kept baiting them. And then, you know, you look over and they, every the other new guys are all like, you okay, Pat? Like, you know, they didn't go over there to cause the scene. Now, they did have to be separated at one point, but it was one of those things where they were like chuckling, laughing, like, you know, ain't nothing happening tonight, partner. You know what I mean? And you look at it, like, you know, Marcus Morris, you know, he's known for being a tough guy. Pat Bev, he's known for being a tough guy that gets under your skin. And then, you know, you look at Nico, people, nobody messes with him. They respect him. So, you know, yeah, you're, you are absolutely right. They brought in a bunch of tough-minded guys. And here's the thing. This is the biggest thing that from Nico Batoons, I want to say it was his first or second game, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all remember when in the second quarter, right before the halftime, he ran in the locker room because he messed his hand up? Yeah. Right? Messed his finger up. Back in the day that person would have been out for three days. This dude <laughs> started the third quarter. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's the type of toughness we're talking about with these guys. You know, Patrick Beverly's playing with a bad neck. How we found out it was a bad neck was because he had a spasm and he couldn't play the second half of a game and he was upset. But the next game, he was out there. So it's a different type of mentality. And I think it trickles down to the team, to their teammates. Yeah, you know, I, I I think I think what it is is um I think the difference is there's an authentic an authenticity to it, right? Uh, it's not guys trying to be fake tough or trying to you know they're you know they're seeking out conflict, but it's guys that are just um they are who they are, they know who they are, and um you know they just fit into what the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76 are trying to accomplish. I want to transition to um Tyrese Maxey, right? Tyrese Maxey, mm -hmm. man, um having a career year, let's just call it what it is, twenty six points per game. Averaging uh, almost seven assists, 
um, you know, uh, averaging less than two turnovers. The dude is efficient. He's effective and he's electric, man. The triple E, man. And um, what's been what's been your uh, your take on him as of late, man? Like uh, what's his ceiling right now? Is he is he so far, in your opinion, um, positioning himself to be an all star this year? Because they're going back to the traditional Eastern Western format, which gives Mm -hmm. him a better chance of making it. So, um, you know, again, um, just just give me your overall thoughts, um, your raw thoughts on Tyrese Maxey right now. I think he can become an all-star. Now, the thing about the all-star game, you got to understand, is it becomes a popularity contest, right, a little bit. Like, you have the voting, and then you have other people who are, you know, like, oh, well, I like him, or, or, or he was grandfathered in. But when you look at it, you know, I know there are some people saying Tyrese Maxey is going to be a star this year. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, because you do have a guy like Dame Lillard. You do have um, Tyrese Halliburton who are playing well, right? But as far as him making that team, I can see it happening because a lot of the guys who we felt like were supposed to be the guy this year, for whatever reason, they're not having a good season, right? Either whether it's injury or it's other things, you know, they're really not having a season. So a good season. So I think that he could make it. The one thing is we got to understand now when we look at the seeds, right, the seedings, you see where the Sixers are, what, in fourth place right now? Yep. So that could hurt him because typically mm. if, if they were in first place, then I would say, okay, he would make it. But typically when you have a team in first, you know, you're going to look at it like, okay, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. All right. Well, the Milwaukee Bucks are in, in, in second. So it's going to be Giannis and Dame Lillard. And they, these two guys on each team are already all-stars. So it's easy to make that pick. The fact that they're in fourth, it might hurt him. But I do believe that he's playing at an all-star level and he deserves a lot of consideration to make that. I do. All right. I, I think what we have done here is considered burying the lead, Keith. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about Joel Embiid and and what this has been so far for him. And, you know, 41 and 11 last night, five assists, two steals, does it in 31 minutes. The beauty of playing these cupcakes is he doesn't have to play the fourth quarter, you know, and they'll they'll get the Pistons again on Friday. But, 33.8 for the season, 11 and a half boards, 6.4 assists. Efficiency-wise, Keith, he's up in almost every single category here. Is this just the evolution of Joel Embiid? Is this Nick Nurse getting more out of him? Does he just feel good with this group? Uh, what is the reason you're – not that he wasn't great last year. He was the MVP. But that you're getting even a better version of Joel Embiid this year. You know what I think is the I think it's all three to be honest with you. I, I do think that he's evolved as a player, right? I, I I do think that Nick Nurse, um, from what I hear, is their conversation is is uh, is an open. You know, he says, "Hey, coach, I really like doing this. I like this certain play. I like the guy to come here." Nick's like, "Okay, let's try it out." <laughs> and Joe's like, "Oh, really?" Like, so you know what I mean? So I feel like you get that freedom. But I think the one thing is, and this is the one thing that a lot of us aren't touching on. Last year, Joel Embiid got MVP, right? Everybody praised him. The playoff came. And then we saw how Giannis, uh, not Giannis, Joker was like getting assists, getting everybody else involved, this and that. And people looked at Joel and said, yep, he's the MVP, but he's a one-dimensional player. He, Mm -hmm. yes, he can block shots when he wants to, but does he really want to do that? Yep, he can score. He doesn't. He turns the ball over and he doesn't pass the teammates. Well, you look at Joel right now, 
And if you can't, if, if you haven't noticed that his all around game, and you said the stats, if you haven't noticed that his all around game is, is like the best in the league, then you're not paying attention. And I feel like that Joel won't come out and say this publicly, but he's basically proven people like, look, y'all has it wrong. I am a, a complete player and I am doing certain things. So that's what I think. I think, like you said, everything you said, I think is all of the, the above. But I also believe that that was motivation for Joel in the offseason. Because y'all know it. There was memes going out that Joel was racing for the MVP while Joker was racing for a championship. You know, so I, I think that Joel was out to prove people wrong. You know, um, you bring up a good point about his all-around game. And yeah, I mean, I don't get I don't get too mad about the turnovers, but a guy who handles the ball as much as Joel Embiid, um, he's pretty on par for his, you know, his his career average. But as far as the assists go, he's averaging just over just over six assists a game. That's two more. Uh, that's two more than he had last year, right? He's making it a point to not only get guys involved, but just show that he's capable of playing winning basketball when he's not putting the ball in the cup. Um, like you said, that speaks to his development. That speaks to his commitment to winning. Um, and I think it also speaks to, his, speaks to his maturity. And I also think he's just having more fun playing basketball this go around. Um, you know, you know, you know, uh, speak. You know, can you speak to that? And also, just speak to, um, I guess, the timeline the Philadelphia Sixers had with Joel Embiid at this point because. Um, Tyrese Maxey is playing well. Um, they are, you know, in the they are in the mix in the conference for sure. But you can't help but feel like how long will his patience remain in the city of Philadelphia, despite all these strides he's making with his um, connectivity with the team, the new head coach Maxey, so on and so forth. Yeah, first thing I want to talk about too. I mean, I'll talk about what you asked first, as right. far as like you know, he looks like he's having more fun, which is true. But you know what? The lack of turnovers and stuff like that, or the cutting down on the turnovers, I'm, I'm going to give that to um, Nick Nurse. Because if you look at it, let's go back to when Joel played with J.J. Reddick, right? What was their go-to play? It was the dribble handoff, right? So what happens is, if you look at it, Nick Nurse has Maxi. He has other guys, wings coming over, like Melton at times. They come over, and they get it, and they go up and shoot. Bang, bucket when they're hot, right? And it seems like that's Maxie's most productive play. Like a lot of times, you know, when you look at it. Another thing is with the turnovers, what used to happen with Joel? Joel would Joel would get the ball. Other teams would bait him. They then they would double him. Well, now what the coaches is doing, he always has someone cutting to the basket. So it's kind of like as soon as they come, someone's cutting to the basket. Joel's giving him the ball. They go up. That's a that's an assist. Now, when we talk about the timeline, is that that's a tricky question because I mean you look at it, right? You say Joel's 31 years old. Joel's has an injury history. So it's gonna be one of those things where, you know, I don't know if Joel's gonna be like LeBron being 38 years old and still being the best player on the team. But 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 I think like when we look at Joel, it's gonna be one of those things where he may pass the baton to Maxi in a couple seasons if he's still playing here. And the thing about the timeline is, like, you look at it, they have a lot of guys in their 30s and on expiring contracts, right? And the reason why I say that's a, a great question but a tricky one is because it's also going to be predicated on what the Sixers are able to do 
in the offseason. Like if you know what I mean? Like, like I, I feel like with this team right now, the time is now just because guys are older, right? But if they go out there and they can get some more young players, then it may be able to give them a couple more years. But I, I love Joel. He's the arguably the best player in the league right now. I mean, and that's a big argument. I mean, you can make that case. But I feel like in a couple seasons that the torch is going to be passed on to Maxi just because of Father Time is unless you're undefeated. I mean, unless you're LeBron James is undefeated. Right. You got that right. All right. I wanted to hit you with with just off the Sixers for a second, Keith. What what were your thoughts on the in season tournament? Were are you a fan of it? Um, did you like it just generally? I know the Sixers didn't do particularly well on it, but where, did you like it? You know, at first, at first, I was like, "Look, all right, if they want to send me to Vegas, I'll go to Vegas." If they go, right? <laughs> so that that was the only thing that I was looking forward to, right? Going to Vegas and when it's cool. But um, no, nah, I was a fan at first. I I didn't think I would be, but the reason why I was a fan is because I saw how the players got into it. Like I saw how, if you notice. A lot of the fights and the scuffles before Draymond did what Draymond did two days ago, a lot of that stuff occurred in playing games. Mm-hmm. Like guys were getting at it, get, getting after it. Mm-hmm. I felt like the energy was there. The crowds were excited. So from that standpoint, I, I really liked it. I also felt like um, there were the Indiana Pacers. I mean, they put a lot of people on notice, you know what I mean, in those games, right? So, yeah, I was a fan of it. Now, as far as the Lakers talking about they want to raise a banner and all that other stuff, I'm like, I don't know about all that. Yeah, one step at a time, right? Yeah, but I, but I was a fan. Was yeah, a fan. like if, I, if I'm Kareem or Magic, I'm like, you're you're putting a banner up for that? Like, come on, man. Nah, like, nah. Slow just, down a little bit here. Yeah, if you're the Pacers, yeah, you put a banner up. But, yeah. <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. You know, Keith, real quick, you know, it's, um, you know, we spoke about Nick Nurse and – um, he's having a tremendous impact on his team. It seems like he really gets it, um, you know, with this, um, you know, with this roster. You know, how far can this team go, man? I know it's still relatively early in the season. Um, we're not even at the all-star break yet or, or not even at the trade deadline. But, you know, how far do you think this team could potentially go as they're currently built? And um, what moves do you potentially see them making possibly at the trade deadline, if, if any at all? You know what, how far can this team go? I mean, that's another great question because, you know, you look at it, are they the favorite? Like, are they favored over Milwaukee? Are they favored over Boston? No, they're not. So, like, right now when you look at it, you're going to say to yourself, it could be another second-round exit unless they throw everything together. But I still don't know if they can get out of the East, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Milwaukee is a little tricky, like, to me. Like, I think they can be beat. Um, that Boston Celtics team, they look like a team that's just waiting for the playoffs to me, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're just a little bit too deep. You know, if the Sixers make – if the Sixers do make a move, um, to me, I think they got to be 100% careful. It has to be someone um, like an Alex Caruso type, maybe mm-hmm. an OG Obanobi. I always butcher the guy's name. I'm sorry, OG. <laughs> but, but the thing is, the reason why I'm saying that is because right now – you know, you asked me a question. You asked me if Ty is Tyrese Maxey an all-star. A lot of these guys that are out there, their reason why they're going to get traded is because they're not having the type of season that Tyrese Maxey is having. But yet and still, you want to bring them in here, right? And the th- talking about the fans, 
And the thing is, like one guy, I'm talking about Zach Levine, right? Great player, but I don't know if that would fit well with Maxi, Embiid, and Levine. Now, if it was just Levine and Embiid, maybe. But I feel like as long as Maxi continues to ascend, do you want to bring another ball dominant guy in here? I mean, you said it. Less is more, right? You said it. Less could yeah, be more, but this thing. Less is more. And and I really like Alex Caruso. But at the same time, we were talking about these guys. Now, again, the playoffs is a different animal. You know, they only played 20-something games. But if you would tell me that Pat Bev was shooting the way he was for three, you know, if you were telling me like Nico Batoon, Robert Covington, all these guys, Marcus Morris was providing the stuff that they provided. Like, my thing is, this is the bench, the best bench that the Sixers had in a long time. Wow. So are you, I mean, honestly, think about it. Since the process, do you know of a better bench? No. No. No, I, don't I, can't, no, I, can't, uh, uh, I can't. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As far as versatility, uh, impact without scoring, um, combination yeah. of toughness, length. Um, I, you're right. You, you may be on to something, Keith. I mean, think about this, y'all. Think about this. They got Daniel House and P.J. Tucker last summer because they wanted to get tougher. Daniel House is a part-time player now. Mm-hmm. Like, he plays when people are injured. You, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, like, he's a tough dude. He's a tough dude. That's how, I mean, like, this team, like, as, as the kids say, they got real ones. They got a bunch of real mm-hmm. ones. So are you willing to get rid of these real ones for something that might not work? You know what I mean? Like that's the that's the that's the key is are you willing to do that for something that might not work? Yeah, well said, well said, Keith. I know we you got to run. We appreciate you hopping on, man. Always good catching up with you. Thank you for a couple minutes. I thank you, Keith. You. Appreciate Bye. you. All right, thank you, Keith. Uh, Keith Pompey. You can follow him again on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers and of course Inquirer dot com. All right, let's get Great a quick talk, one in. Keith. Let's come Great back. Talk. Yeah, good. Always good catching up with Keith. Let's dive into the Sixers or the, the Seattle Seahawks here when we come back, Tone. And there's a lot to look at with them and what's going on with them and, you know, where things stand with the Eagles in this game. So we got a lot to do between now and the end of the program. We'll have our NFL segment uh, coming up after that. A lot of ground to cover. Let's talk about proaction restoration. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, you see the background here. It's all cleared off. Uh, behind me because they're doing work uh, around the house starting tomorrow and I had to get everything out of there. I had a leak upstairs, leaked into my basement, uh, messed up my ceiling, messed up my bathroom down here, messed up the carpet, you name it. They got over here, they fixed it and they're handling all the contract work all in one, you know, one-stop shopping. Uh, They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. They are licensed, bonded and fully insured Serving the tri-state area for more than two decades, ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. They are working in conjunction with mine. Uh, again, it could be water, it could be fire, it could be smoke damage, mold remediation, whatever you need, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. 
go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? Appreciate you hanging out with us. Going to Shields, Rob Ellis, on this Friday Eve. Get you ready for the uh, the Birds and the Seahawks. So it's not as bad as when we had the bye week and we had to wait till a Monday game, but I want them to play Sunday, man. I, I You know, like... <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, we gotta wait till Monday. It's just torture. Anyway. For self, for selfish reasons, obviously, but I think they could use the extra day. Um, no, I don't even mean it it sucks for us with the turnaround and all that. I, I just mean I don't want to wait an extra day. So you know, anyway. <laughs> gonna, I, I agree. They you wanna you, you wanna rip the band-aid off. That's what that is. I know. I, I right, yes. I want to get back on the horse, as they say, uh, after these these two games. All right. So uh all right, Seahawks. Let's look at them. 
six and seven on the season right now. They've dropped four straight. So let me give you the losses that they've had uh, this year, and in particular, what's happened with them of late because they've they have struggled. Uh, that's for sure. So they've lost four straight. They lost at the Rams. They lost to the 49ers at home. They lost at Dallas. And then they lost to the Niners again. So, I mean, other than Washington, or excuse me, other than Los Angeles there, it's two losses to the Niners and one to the Cowboys. So it's not like they're playing terrible. You know, and the other thing is pretty competitive uh, in certainly the Dallas game. They lost 41-35. The second uh, Niner game, I mean, the the loss to the Rams was 17-16. And then the second loss, which was last week to the Niners, they were in it up until pretty late in that game, even yeah. without Geno Smith playing. So I don't think this team's playing terribly right now. I know it looks bad with the four losses that pushed them to under 500. But if especially, again, the big if here, we don't know because they practice later with the time zone and all that stuff. If Geno Smith is playing quarterback, this is a, this is a big-time challenge for the Eagles. Yeah, uh, in my humble opinion, watching those games, they, yeah, the 49ers, they, you know, they got they got taken to the woodshed for the most part. But uh, uh, Rams and Cowboys, I, I watched those games. They should have won those games, mm-hmm. but they they couldn't execute down the stretch. And especially in the Cowboys game, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, OK, that's a game that you're on pace to win. Just don't screw it up. And lo and behold, they found a way. So, um. Yeah, man. So the Seahawks team—they're—they're they're fascinating, right? Uh, they're talented. They had a very good draft um, with Devin Witherspoon, Jackson Smith, and Jingba. Very good um, draft. Uh, Zach Charbonnet. Witherspoon's going to play, by the way, Sunday. He—he's playing. Yeah, and I—and yeah. I, I don't expect anything less. But they—they um, they, they had an amazing. They had a really good draft. Um, but again, um, this is going to be a very fascinating game to uh, to lock into. Um, you know, just looking at some of the stat sheet uh, a little bit. Uh, Geno Smith, he's not having the same season he had last year. No, he's not. Um, he's not as accurate. Um, he's not. Um, he's not uh putting up as many yards or even as many touchdowns. So he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Also, um, their star running back in Kenneth Walker, he's dealt with some injury throughout the season. So good, good uh, runner, but he has been banged up a lot. Charbonneau was a nice backup too. Exactly, nice exactly. Char- I, I like, I like Charbonneau. I like Charbonneau a lot. Between those two, they have. A, a thousand yards on the season between those two right now, so it's pretty good. Both yeah. averaging four yards a carry, so they can run the ball to a degree. Um, so for me, I'm looking. I'm looking to see if the Philadelphia Eagles can stop their run game. If they can't stop their run game, it's gonna be a long day. I agree with you. Uh, I think that's gonna obviously, and that's been yeah. an issue. Tone four straight games. It's not being talked about enough, right? It you is. Know, it's, it's, it's the thing we talk about the least, and it's it's a mistake because they were dominant there. They were number one for eight nine weeks. And four straight games now, the opponent's gone over 100 on them on the ground. So that's uh, that's something that's got to be fixed. This is, again, where we get to, oh, they're playing all these snaps. You know what? I'm sorry, man. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like, I get it. You're tired. Everybody's tired in the NFL. you got to figure it out. Schematically, and the players have to be better. Plain and simple, as far as that goes. I get it. I get it. All right, so let me give you some numbers here on them because it's it just reeks of mediocrity here with Seattle. They're 19th in scoring. They are 28th in rushing, and they're 15th in passing. Very meh. And defense, it's bad. 27th in scoring, you know, points allowed. 23rd against the run, 25th against the pass. 
there shouldn't be the same kind of limitations on this Eagles offense that we saw the last couple of weeks because this is not the Niners or the Cowboys. It's not the Legion of Boom, and there's no Richard Sherman or any of that stuff. This mm-hmm. is a different Seahawk defense, not special even a little bit. No, you're right. They're not special at all. They're very beatable. Um, but again, you know, I just I want to I want to just keep my expectations, my personal expectations, um, you know, as leveled as I possibly can, because this Philadelphia Eagles team, they're not impressive by any stretch of the imagination um, on the defensive side as well. So I think this game is going to come down to um, whose offense can put up the most points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles offense compared to uh, the Seahawks offense, you know, at the, skill, at, at the skill position, they're pretty similar. I think I think as a group, the Seahawks have better receivers as a group. Um, but I think the Eagles have um, the better number one and the better number two. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I agree. So, uh, the, yeah, again, this game is going to come down to who can score the most points and make the least amount of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the team has been doing well in terms of the mistake department. So, right, right. Yeah, man. It's, it's it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a fascinating game to watch. Um, I think this is I, th- I think this is a a fork in the road type of game for Nick Sirianni. I um, think this is th- this is really interesting to me, uh, Tone. Uh, Sirianni's meeting with the media. This echoes the sentiments that he had the other day when he was on the WIP Morning Show. But he was asked specifically about our own Derek Gunn's report that there are players that are unhappy, in particular with the way the offense is looking. Mm, interesting. Here's what's interesting. Most of the time, a coach will say, I'm not worried about outside noise. I'm concentrating on our guys and trying to get better, et cetera. So here's what Sirianni said. He said he does listen to criticism, and sometimes it spurs ideas or change. But he also mentioned it's important to know which criticisms to listen to. I think that's a, I think that's interesting. I think it's really fascinating insight about Sirianni, and I mean that in a positive way, not a negative way. Okay, bring here's, it down here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. First of all, it tells me that they know if Derek Gunn's saying it, they heard it. Real. Okay, it's not BS, and we know that. But I'm just telling you that. Props to Gunner. That that aside, w- what it also means is I'm not above reproach. Like I know everything's not perfect, and if one of my guys is saying it, I better explore that to see how real it is first before I just say, I don't want to hear that stuff. We shouldn't be yapping outside of these the, the, these these walls here. I think that shows something about a coach, and I like that about Nick Sirianni. What, what's your response to that? You know, it's it, it's it's interesting because, you know, Nick Sirianni is a coach that gets a lot of criticism. He gets a lot of criticism. I'm one of the people that criticizes, criticizes him a lot. And the thing is, though, I actually like Nick, but uh, I, 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 just, I just question a lot of things that happen on the field, right? So, you know, when that story came out about players being disenchanted with, you know, the offensive direction, this is what comes to mind. Players, and I've and I've learned this because I hear players say it. Players don't just want to be pointed in a direction and you tell them shoot. Players want to know, okay, coach, why am I shooting that way? Why, why, why are we doing this play? Why does this work? Players don't just run plays. You know, players aren't just like these drones that you send out to complete the task. They want to know why you're telling them to run this route or they want to know why you're telling them to do certain things on the field so they can so it can make sense to them. 
If you can't explain to a player why he's doing what he's doing, they begin to lose respect for you. And they begin to lose respect for your game planning and your overall philosophy. I learned that because I hear players say that all the time. So uh, bringing it back to Nick Sirianni, you know, what one thing he prided himself on, or especially early on in his, his career with the Philadelphia Eagles, he always made it a point to try to explain to guys why they're doing what they're doing and what's the goal in mind, right? But sometimes whatever you're trying to accomplish, even though you're letting them know why you're doing it, it can still grow stale. And the the next question becomes, okay, I know why I'm, I know why I'm doing it, but is it as successful as it once was, right? Right. And that's when the coach has to go back to the drawing board. So, okay, oh, and say, okay, we're doing this. I'm able to explain to my guys why we're doing it, yet a lot of my guys still doesn't believe it's working or we're seeing firsthand that it's not necessarily working anymore like it used to. What can I do to tweak this, throw a wrinkle in, or reevaluate this thing so uh, my players can uh, maintain belief in what I'm telling them and, and, and so they can trust what I'm teaching them? And I think that's where the Philadelphia Eagles are right now. I think Nick Sirianni has to reestablish himself as not just um, the leader of his locker room, but also he needs to reestablish himself as a teacher yeah. and um, as a game planner and, um, you know, make sure these guys understand that. Look, I know you guys are working hard at your craft. Be, I know you guys are working hard at your craft to be better, to, you know, to be quicker, to be sharper, to be more disciplined in your routes, whatever it is. I need to be more disciplined, more creative, more sharper with my play calling and my play design. Yeah. And that's why I, I posed that to Les earlier. Like I, I think we all understand he's, he's very good. Uh, at, at getting a pulse and and feeling these guys know when to hey you need a break I'm gonna sit you you know know when to, when he's got to talk to a guy get on him whatever I, I think he's very good at that nobody would deny that but the the question is okay now it looks like teams have figured out what's going on here with you on both sides of the ball what are you doing to correct this from an X and O standpoint and that self scouting is going to be so important huge. so important it's yeah. just, it's one thing about football that I believe is the most I think self-scouting is the is the most paramount thing you can do in football. Yeah. You, like, I believe in playing battleship, you know, with your own scheme, right? Okay, you have – okay, you're in a room with your quarterback, right? And you say, okay, this is the play we're running. All right, this is how I'm going to respond to it. How do you resp- how do you respond to my counter? Okay, what's your counter? Where I, I want to play battleship with my quarterback. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, that's – that's that's what the Philadelphia Eagles need right now, right? They need to play battleship with their, you know, with their philosophy, you know, you know, with their with their game plan, with their scheme, right? They need to really hone in on why they have not been successful these past couple of weeks. Why the why things have been a struggle all season? Yeah, uh, well, right, and and all season for sure, but especially now, um, and especially now because you've been punched in the mouth, and this is also how do you deal with this kind of adversity? Because let's face it, the last time they dealt with two straight losses, Tone. They were they were like they were like toddlers, right? They they were they weren't even walking. And they yet. also didn't have the talent, so you can understand, right? It was it, yeah, it was, was kind of like whatever, you know. You're 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 building this thing now. You're an established brand. You're a team that everybody's gunning for. You're not sneaking up on mm-hmm. anybody. So what are you exactly. doing now? How do you answer that bell? You know, with the way this thing looks different. Um, and two and for two straight seasons, 2021 and 2022, Nick Sirianni had the luxury of sneaking up on people. Exactly, he had that right. luxury. That, that's in 2023. Way out the yeah. In 2023, that luxury is long gone. So now, who are you when people know who you are already? Yep. Who can you be when people know what you're capable of? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah totally. All right, let me give you a couple guys that are you know that are going to be keys that are obvious. The, the, let's start with Metcalf. 
So 51 catches, 864 yards. The thing is, Tone, he is such a big play threat. He's averaging almost 17 yards per catch because he can beat you deep. He can catch one a slant for five yards. And take it to the crib. And truck you and take it the distance. We saw I mean, he took the Cowboys apart. He he Deron Bland, he was laughing at taking him to school. Yeah, so but- <laughs> that's not a matchup I'm I'm real thrilled about. I gotta tell you, man. That, that's probably my biggest concern in this game is him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who defends him. I don't either. Brad Bradbury may have the size, but he's too slow. This this is Slay a, may just, have the speed, but he's too small. You. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I'm I, honestly, man. I think what I'm doing. I'm just saying to Slay. You, I'm not saying this is me saying this. Let me put it to you this way: Slay's the best option of the lot. It's not great. It's not ideal. I'm telling Slay, you got Metcalf. You're gonna follow him wherever he goes on the field. But, we, but, but we know it's not what they do. They're not gonna follow. I know. Him. I know. I'm just. They're not gonna I, do it. That's what I would like to see. No, I, then, I, I'm with you. I would like to see that too. I, yeah. I, I don't think it's impossible, but they make it seem like it's it's, it's completely. But this is where I'm talking team. about. Let's get out of your comfort zone, Sean Desai, and let's do something a little bit different. If you walk the walk, you've told us all week. You told us yesterday. We realize the sense of urgency. We know we have to do things different. It's not acceptable what's going on. Okay, change it up. And if, look, if Tyler Lockett gets his or Smith Najigba gets his, okay, okay. I, I, as long as it, I can't have Metcalf, you know, having a buck 91 against me and, and three touchdowns, I can't right. have it. Right. So, and, 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 and you know, when you, when you when you task a corner with following a certain guy, right, when you task your best corner to go up against the best player, even if, even if that player still somewhat gets – adequate numbers what you're telling the quarterback what you're telling that offense is look you throw the ball this way you got to be wary of my guy and that's going to and, and that's going to make a quarterback still think twice about okay there he's following him so mm-hmm. will i will i always have the opportunities that i normally would have if i throw dk metcalf this ball right you know make maybe may, maybe slay doesn't stop him every play but maybe just slave covering him on every play can divert geno smith or um, Drew Locke from throwing the ball that direction because he knows that cornerback is following him, right? It, 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 it maybe, it, maybe it can buy you a few plays. Maybe it can buy you, you know, a, a few drives, right? But um, I'm sorry, man. Like I gotta put my best corner on their best receiver yeah. at, at this point in the season. You, you, you can't be so married to your, so married to your scheme, man. You can't at this point. They need to be creative. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. So I think that's going to be a key. I'll tell you who's still a beast. Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Man, that dude's been around forever. He can still play. Bobby can, Wagner this season, Tone. He can still bang. 130 tackles, two and a half sacks. He's everywhere. And I'll tell you who's also really good and probably doesn't get the props he deserves. Jordan Brooks is a monster. He's been a monster since he came in the league. He's got 102 tackles and four and a half sacks. So mm. they do have some dudes on defense. They're just not what they used to be. They bang, man. They, yes. they're, they, they're physical on the defense side of the ball. So I'm telling you, they're going to test the Philadelphia Eagles medal and say, okay, y'all t- y'all fumble a lot. So we're going to so we're gonna find out just how well y'all hold on to that ball this week. Oh, man. You know what? And that's, here, that's the other thing. All right, let's go there. So you made it almost impossible for yourself last week. You fumbled three times against the Cowboys. In the red zone. Forget it. I mean, that, that's almost an automatic L. This is something we got to see going forward in these last four games. It's Jay, it starts with Jalen, but it's everybody. 
taking care of the ball better and on the other side, taking it away because they have, they've been awful at that too. I don't, I, I think you can, I think you can definitely take care of it better. I don't know. Again, I'm going to fall. This is my sort of default here with the defense. I don't trust them. And I don't know. What, the what's the max amount of, for the offense, right? What's the max amount of turnovers you're willing to tolerate over this four game stretch? Interception, interceptions, if I was included, like throughout this four throughout this four game stretch, what's the max? Four, maybe a little less than one per game. Okay, I, I don't think that's asking too much that you don't turn it over, you know, more than one time per game. I, maybe and it's so funny you say that. I think I'm about to ask for too much. I think my maximum turnovers for this next for these next four weeks, I don't want more than I don't I don't want more than three turnovers. I don't want more than uh, you. You got two. You got two. Okay. The, the way the way they've been turned the ball over. These next four weeks, I better not see more than two turnovers. Yeah, I get and, and I'm and, not going to – It's tall order, I know. No, but I don't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You might be able to, to get away with a turnover per game against the Cardinals or the Giants, but if the problem is if that continues into the playoffs, you're you're dead. You're a dead team walking. You know, it's just not going to work. So now's the time to get this stuff fixed. The, the beauty is I know it's late. But the good thing is you have four games left to correct this stuff. It's not too late. It's late, but it's not too late. A lot of football left still. There's a lot of football left for this team. There's a lot of things that you can you can figure out here. Yeah, a quarter of the season's left. 25% of the season's still left. No question. Try it tonight. Uh, tonight. Wishful thinking. Try it Monday night. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I got to I, I got to woof. Calm down. All right. Uh, but no, get, get it going this week. Roll it over and, and start to hone it against the Giants and the Cardinals here. and and But the, you, look, it's got to start somewhere, and it's got to start Monday night against this team. So uh, there are a couple things to keep your eye on. Uh, Seattle's got 39 sacks on the season. I mentioned Devin Witherspoon uh, will play very good rookie. That's one of the things we're going to do in, in our next segment, Tone, is we're going to look back at the first round, see who won, see who lost, see who it's you know to be determined how, how you did. Obviously, I'll just a little preview. The Eagles are a big-time winner. With their first, with their first first round pick and Jalen Carter, there are others that would want that draft <laughs> done over again if they could. Uh, that much is for sure. But I, I will tell you, my this is just my gut. I'm not giving you analytical breakdown here. I feel like we're going to see a different Eagle team, and I think they're going to go out and play well on Monday night. I really do. I feel good about both, the Eagles on Monday. Both, both sides of the ball. I feel good about the overall effort, what, and I'm not ducking what okay. you asked me. I, I think the offense is going to be good to very good. I think the defense is going to be serviceable enough that the offense will be able to win you the game. I don't think you're, we're going to see, okay. um, you know, the, the, the kind of performances we saw we've seen like the last three four weeks. I think it's going to look like a the defense is going to go up in, in the twenties, like twenty four ish which I can live with if that's what it is. And I think the offense gets you 28 to 31. That's what, that's what I think it looks like somewhere in that range. Okay. What's okay. your gut telling you? I don't even, I'm not talking about a breakdown or prediction. I'm just, what's your gut saying to you right now about where this team is? Um, As of right now, they're giving up 24.7 points per game on the season, 36 points per game in the past three games. Um, Defensively, I do have my concerns. Um, I, I, I struggle with um, the skill position matchups with the, uh, so the Seahawks receivers versus the Eagles DBs. I really struggle with that and how it's going to play out. Um, but I do think the Philadelphia Eagles have 
Um, I do. Th- I do think they're playing well enough to win the game. I believe that. I believe. I believe they're going to win this game. Um, there's a lot of things working against them. I think there's a lot of pressure on Nick Sirianni and and, the, and these guys to really turn things around on the offensive side, especially knowing how talented they are. I think they can. Uh, so we'll see how this thing plays out. But I do feel I do feel good about them in this game. Um, but I'm still, again, I'm, yeah, I'm at you're, a point. You're hesitant, man. I, I, and that's I'm fine. at a point. You, you have every right to be. You're, you, yeah, yeah. I think I feel more confident in this game than you do, just just by just by that. Yeah, response. yeah, I would I say feel. so. I would say so. I just think, well, again, you know, I'm always going to be honest, man. Yeah. Where I'm at with this team is I'm on a week-to-week basis with them now. I am, you know. Um, until, yeah. As you should be. I, I think until, like, they haven't shown you notice. enough lately to, to feel otherwise. Yeah. I can't just sit back and watch the game and just say, "All right, guys, let's enjoy this one." No, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to be on the edge of my seat because I, I, I need to know, you know, if this coaching staff, if these players are capable of turning things around, can the offense get back to being as explosive as they were, um, or as we know them to be, or as we know them to capable to be? Can the defense at least be serviceable? Can they at least okay? If, if if each team gets nine drives or 10 drives, you know, in a game, can you get three stops? Can you get, th- can you get three, three or four stops? You know what I mean? Can you get off the field on third down in key spots? Can you at least limit teams to field goals? I'll be cool with that. Right. Can you limit teams to field goals? So, um, tall order for that defense. And until further notice, um, I'm going to continue to be, um, I'm going to continue to chair water with this team. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's hit it. Let's come back. Let's dive into our NFL segment tone. Some interesting things regarding the tush push, some potential rules changes uh, in the NFL, a little bit more on Belichick, uh, Brown's injury, some guys who are cleared, some guys who still aren't practicing. Uh, we've got a game tonight, Raiders and the Chargers. And like I said, what we're going to go back and examine the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. Look who did that game is going to suck tonight. I agree with you. I look. I'm I'm an addict, so I'll watch it. But if I if I be you know how I I really look forward to sporting events. I get I get excited for them. Donut baby, there isn't an ounce of excitement for this thing. I mean, I'll put it on because it's the NFL, right? But I'm not up for this. This is this is hot trash, is what this thing is. So anyway, uh, let's hit it. Let's come back and we'll we'll dive into all things NFL when we return. I want to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes. Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company uh, that will uh, trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They also offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face, and they are experts at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610 850-2848-610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. back that's tone i'm rob we're sports take uh all right so let's hit a couple things here tone troy vincent was speaking about uh certain rules changes and other things regarding the nfl so a couple things of note i really like what i heard from him regarding the tush push it was encouraging it's the first time i've heard anything encouraging coming from the league office regarding this he said i'm paraphrasing him but he said uh why should we eliminate something because one team does it extremely well um, you know, we're, we're get, gathering more and more data about it. And, you know, there hasn't been any kind of decisions made. When I heard him say that, it, it really, to me, was encouraging in the sense that it didn't feel like they were just going to fall back on the, hey, it's a health thing and, and we can get rid of this. We don't want people to get hurt. I, I think he said, and he also said, we, you know, we've been, we've been really digging into it a lot deeper. Good. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, sorry, I was looking at this live chat here, and I'm just trying to get things in order for you. So, um, give me one second here. My apologies. Yeah. So anyway, but, but one of the other, so what he was talking about was, you know, there was the natural inclination from people because there were some people complaining about it around the league that it was going to go bye bye, and 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 Troy Vincent, you know, essentially, and he's he's the second in command behind Roger Goodell right, was, was really pretty clear, man, that, that like I, my takeaway from that is it's going to be back next year. And I didn't think that I didn't think that. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We all wanted an impression that the league were, the league was um, trying to uh, find a way, a unique way to get this play banned, whether if it was injuries or uh, how ugly it was, how aesthetically, um, how aesthetically it wasn't pleasing to the eye, so on and so forth. But nonetheless, um, 
it is refreshing to hear what Troy Vincent has to say. Um, still, um, the season is not over, and we got to see how things happen in the offseason meeting, so on and so forth. But I think it's trending in the right direction that the that the player is going to be here to stay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. All right, so a couple other things uh, from Troy, which I thought were interesting. He was pretty pretty honest and pretty critical about the officiating. He said it's a work in progress and it's something they have to get better with um, in general. And there's still the push for these guys to become full-time employees, which they aren't now. A lot of these guys have regular jobs during the week and they fly to whatever game they're doing that weekend and they officiate and they go back to their jobs on Monday. Um, and, you know, people are pushing for them to be full-time. With all the money the league makes, you figure they could they could pull this off like other leagues do. And I understand it's only once a week where the other, the other leagues are playing 82 or 162. I get it. But they should still be able to do that to allow these guys to train, I think, during the week. Um, but the other thing I'm glad about is they may revisit the rule where if you're, if you're going in for a touchdown and you get the ball knocked out and you fumble out of the end zone, the ball is turned over to the other team at the 20-yard line. What I'd like to see is the ball turned over to stay with you but you have to go back to the 20 and try and score from there. You don't just get it at the one yard line or something like that. I feel like that rule is just too punitive. Uh, in right. Right. We spoke about that offline, you know, the yeah. fact of the matter is that's a, that's a, that's a really harsh penalty for, you know, fumbling, right. If you fumble anywhere in the field, you know, the ball typically, you know, the fumble typically is the ball is typically place where the fumble happened. Right. Exactly. Um, but in that particular case, it, it's just, it's just such an egregious, uh repercussions so you know we talked about it and you know yeah i think start i, th- I think placing the ball at the 20 um makes it fair um and also wherever down you fumbled on if you fumbled on second down third down fourth down they make you replay that down from the 20 and and um it, it, it it'll be that down and 10 you know what i mean I you, buy that. yeah you know i can you know i can you know i can I, I can roll with that because okay you're still because you fumble you still have to you still have to face some sort of consequences for fumbling in that fashion and the and, and 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 the consequence is the fact that okay you get that down back you get to replay it but you got to start from the 20 and it's going to be that down and 10 mm-hmm. yeah so that, that was some of the things yeah that i i, I could be, i could work with that for sure um, so there are a couple things that came out of there. I found this uh, surprising. So Ben Roethlisberger has a podcast and he said, you know how we always talk about the Steeler tradition and uh, you know, the way they do things and all that. He said the tradition might be done. And he was really critical of Mike Tomlin, not having that final timeout in their game Sunday to be able to get their kicker out there uh, to, to attempt the, the, the field goal. Um I didn't think he'd be. I didn't think I'd hear that. That that felt like a lot for a guy who's a former player. Generally, especially someone who was a Steeler lifer like that, and played for so many years under Tomlin, you wouldn't hear something like that. That was that was. I wonder what's going on there. I would love to hear the context of the conversation, um, because Mike Tomlin is the only coach Big Ben knows on the NFL level. So, I would like to think they have a. A, a, a strong enough relationship to the point where um, Roethlisberger can offer some level of criticism, you know, objectively. Right. And I would like to think that, you know, maybe they've had conversations offline, you know, about certain things that maybe big Ben is seeing and, you know, you know, just shooting the stuff about, you know, stealing football. Um, so yeah, I would definitely love to hear the context of that conversation. So I don't wrongfully 
um, kill uh, uh, Big Ben. But overall, the fact of the matter is the Steelers are not playing their best football. They're still in the mix, but quarterback isn't healthy. Um, the current quarterback sucks. Uh, the offensive identity is lacking. Um, the, the 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 accountability is lacking as well at certain positions. A lot of young guys, a lot of a lot of guys who act entitled, whatever it may be. So um, the defense is carrying that team. You know, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not going as far to say the the Steelers culture that we know is dead. I'm, I'm not I'm not going that far just yet. Um, but I think it's something to watch. I think Big Ben might be on or something. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, TJ Watt has cleared concussion protocol, uh, and he will play for them this week. You know, obviously the, the Pittsburgh's coming off a bad loss last week, um, and they're they're still right there in the thick of things for the playoffs. So this is a big game. They play the Colts. It's all three games Saturday have really legitimate playoff implications. You got the Vikings and the Bengals in the early game. The second game is the Steelers and the Colts, and the third game is the Broncos and the Lions. So. That's a big game, man, with, with Pittsburgh at Indy. I just I, I have a really hard time believing Mitch Trubisky can win an important game for you. I I, I know how good the even if they the get losers. into the playoffs, I'm yeah. not it's almost like you don't want to. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't I don't trust Mitch Trubisky as far as he can throw it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yes, I know exactly what you mean uh when it comes to him. So uh there's that. I, I mentioned this to you yesterday. I, I, I'm gonna. I want to give props one more time to Kevin Stefanski for the job that he's done. Listen to this list of injuries. He's lost his starting quarterback to Sean Watson, his starting running back, All Pro Nick Chubb, offensive lineman Jack Conklin. These are starters. Uh, Jedrick Willis, Dewan Jones, wide receiver Jakeem Grant. That's just the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I'm gonna butcher the name. Just be prepared. Ogbo. <laughs> Okor and Aquo. Uh, Grant Dilpit, who we talked about yesterday, excellent safety. Rodney McLeod, our old friend. Defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst. And linebacker, Jacob Phillips. You're talking about starters and big-time contributors to this team. All gone for the season. And they're somehow in it with, with you know, Flacco, who was on the street three, week, four weeks ago. And, and you know it's it's pretty amazing, and I know they still have Miles Garrett and studs and all that, but that's that's a heck of an accomplishment if they get in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's it's they're dead. They're literally dead men walking, and they get in. How far can they go? Lord knows, man. That defense is so good. Yeah, if they can keep you into a game, if they can keep a team around the 20, 23, 24 point mark, maybe that offense can generate some kind of offense, man. Uh, you know, they they still. They still have Amari Cooper. You know, they still have uh, Njaku at tight end. You know, Kareem Hunt is still doing good things for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can get serviceable quarterback play, if the defense can hold teams to 20 to 23 points in the playoffs and they get in, that's the team you don't want to go in. That's the team you don't want to underestimate by any stretch of the imagination. But, man, it's impressive what Stefanski has been doing. Yeah, no question about it. Uh Isaiah Pacheco not practicing again. Uh, that doesn't necessarily bode well for the uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, he's been banged up, uh, you know, a, a decent amount. They got the Patriots. I don't think they're in jeopardy of losing that game to the Patriots, but you know, nonetheless, you're, you're taking their best running back out of there if he's not able to go. But again, uh, not practicing. So uh, keep your eye on that one. Speaking of running backs, this was interesting. Kyle Shanahan was asked about his two MVP candidates in uh, in CMC, Christian McCaffrey and and Purdy. 
Mm-hmm. And and you know the gist of it was I'm not going to pick one or the one over the other. I'm not going to give you say this guy's more deserving than the other guy. But he also said I hope they don't cannibalize each other. In other words, you know one has a good game and it takes away from the other. He said it's a basically we're in a weird position, um, you know, with this one. So look, I think both are very much in this in the conversation for sure. I mean, a running back seems to never win it, so I would I would go with Purdy ahead of him. Um, but Purdy is is. Right now, he's plus 175 to win the award behind only Dak Prescott, who's plus 160. He's He's got a real shot at it. Yeah, the last running back to win MVP was what? Uh, Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peterson. Yeah, we're going back a while now. Yeah. Right. That, that, that's well over. That's well over. Two, that's well over 10 years ago, right? Yeah. McCaffrey's got 1,100 rushing. Uh, he's second in the league in touchdowns with 17. He's also caught. Uh, Who has the most touchdowns in the league? 52 for 437. <laughs> Who has the most touchdowns at the skill position? Uh, let's see. Let's I, I thought I thought McCaffrey had the most. He doesn't. He's second. Um, who who could have more? And maybe that's is that combined with everybody? Is that quarterbacks too? No. No, that no. Got to be no, running backs. Is it Mostert? I'm curious now. All right, let's see. Mostert has sixteen. Right. All right. Let me see. Most of that's 16. Uh, let me go to receivers. Um, Tyree Kill's got 12. Scoring. Huh. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, it says here Raheem Mostert has 18 touchdowns on a season. Oh, it's combined. Yeah, he's got he's got 16 rushing. Yeah, but it's combined. It's combined. Yeah, yep. and Mozart has. I mean, McCaffrey has seventeen. So yeah, yep. Mozart has the most. So it's eight. It's, it's it's Mozart with eighteen. McCaffrey has seventeen. Then it drops off mm-hmm. with Tyreek Hill at twelve. Jalen Hurts uh, at twelve. Um, touchdown scored. Well, that's that's a, hmm, that don't add up. Well, no, I, I mean, nonetheless, yeah, you're right. Mostert has because of the, the – Oh, okay. The, okay, those are those aren't passing touchdowns. Those are like rushing and and receiving touchdowns combined. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is tied for third in the league with um, total touchdowns in terms of rushing and receiving. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, man. Raheem Mostert and Christian McCaffrey, those dudes are hella productive. Yeah. Uh, Good news for the Bengals. Uh, Jamar Chase is playing. He's been banged up lately. That's the first game uh, Saturday, the, the, the Vikings and the Bengals. Uh, also, Nick Mullins will start for the Vikings in that game against Jake Browning, the matchup we've all been dreaming of um, for sure. But uh, beyond that, this one's interesting, Tone. CJGJ is cleared to go I back literally to just, practice. I, yo, it's so funny you say I literally just read that headline. I was like, oh. Next week, yeah. So yeah. he won't play this week. But Dan Campbell said, yeah, we're damn right we're getting him right back on the practice field, and we're hoping to get him acclimated as soon as possible. So that could be a real lift to the Lions who need him right yeah. now. Yeah, man, that, that couldn't come at a better time. Yeah. Mat, um, you know, their matchups are getting more and more difficult. The Lions coming up, they have Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. So, yeah, man, couldn't come, couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah, absolutely. And they, you know, we know what kind of playmaker that guy is. Uh, that's for sure. You know, beyond that, uh, Patrick Mahomes is, is telling uh, Kadarius Tony, just keep being you, man. You know what I would think I would say to Kadarius Tony? I don't want you to be you anymore. I want right. you to be somebody else who's more productive and doesn't right. hurt us in a number of different ways. That might be my conversation. He's hurt them in so many different ways. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone by next season. 
Uh, I think he's absolutely gone. Where is he at in his contract? Because I'm pretty sure it's easy to get out of. Yeah, I don't think he's a hindrance. Like, he could be gone easily. I don't think it costs you anything. I'd be really surprised. So his contract right now, how many years does he have? Because he was a first-rounder. So um, He might be in the last year of that rookie deal. Uh, He's in in his third year of the rookie deal. Um, They do have a fifth-year option. Obviously, they're not going to pick it up. Yeah. So um, next season will be his last year in the contract. Okay. Next season. That doesn't mean they can't get rid of him. Uh, for sure. Oh no! Yeah, they can definitely off him at any point. It's uh, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, all right. Beyond that, a couple other things to to look at here, NFL wise. So Bell, Bill Belichick continues to ask about these reports. You know about what's happening with him, and I think I think it was three times the reporters in New England followed up and said to him, "Hey, can you address the rumors? Have you had any conversations with Robert Kraft that you're not going to be back?" And he just kept giving you the, you know, uh, we're on to Kansas City. I'm, uh, I'm locked in on Kansas City, and I'm not what worried you, about it. People are – what do you expect to do? But, I mean, say? yeah, did you think Belichick would say, listen, you know what, I just had a conversation with him, <laughs> and here's what, how it went. <laughs> come on, man. Sometimes I, sometimes, sometimes I feel like people in that market – do you – like, you, you know the old adage, you know your personnel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Know K-Y-P. who you're dealing with. Hey, YP. You know what I mean? Like – what you asking him? You asking this man about his future with the job, with the with the team, and the season isn't even over yet. Come on now, what do you think he's going to say? Yeah. yeah no, I, why, why, why waste well, your especially opportunity? Especially that guy. You might be able. Especially to, that guy. Yeah, you might be able to trap somebody into you know saying something. Some of these other guys that are you know either not as experienced or whatever. Belichick never gives you anything when they're when they're winning Super Bowls with Tom Brady, let alone now. Right, like why? Why waste an opportunity at a question? Seriously, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hear you. All right, let's um, let's look back here, Tone, at last year's draft, the twenty twenty three NFL draft, and see who did well, see who did not. Okay, and I think again, you know, with at least one of these, you're quite happy with the way it went for the Eagles. The other one, eh, jury's out, but it's early. So whether you fall into the category of boom, bust, TBD, okay, when it comes to these guys. Well, let's just run through it. I know it's looking really, really, really like bust city, but Mm -hmm. I am not going there yet on Bryce Young. If we're sitting here a year from now and it looks the same, I'll go there. I can't write that kid off yet because it's a major dysfunction down there in Carolina. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that to him. I'm I'm not even gonna give him any real criticism. I just it's, it's just it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right. So he falls uh, for both of us. He's into T. He's TBD. He, he's uh yeah incomplete TBD. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one is a home run out of the park. A plus uh, bat flip. <laughs> Take your mm-hmm. time running around the base. Yep. Stared the stared the picture. Stared at the picture. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, jaw jack with the uh, with, with, you know, with the shortstop and second baseman, like yeah, yeah. The, Bryce Harper stare down at the of the second baseman. Uh, C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud's been awesome. The the uh, that's I meant to mention that in the NFL in our in this segment. It looks like he's probably not going to go this week, Tone. He still hasn't um, practiced yet from that head injury. Uh, so that's that's a shame. But anyway, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. Now the guy who went, they traded up, and the guy who went right after him has really started to come on. He wasn't making a lot of noise early. But Will Anderson's starting to make plays now, the the Alabama edge rusher. So it looks like Houston got two real winners here. 
boom, boom, home runs for, for both of those picks. Yeah, definitely. Um, so far in the season, 27 solo tackles, five sacks, you know, as a rookie, not bad at all. Played in, uh, Has played in all 13 games, has been healthy. Playing special um, teams, too, for them. He's Also playing special teams, so he's turning in the right direction. I like Will Anderson. He's in a, he's in a great situation, and he can learn from D'Amico, uh, D'Amico Ryans and other guys on that team. So, um, yeah, five sacks in, in his rookie season. I ain't mad at that. No, absolutely. All right, so, good. yeah, Texans, nice job, nice job. Uh, Colts. This is a win too. It's a shame the kid went down. I think one thing I would, one piece of advice I'd give Anthony Richardson is, you know, live to see another day, dude. You know, don't try and take on these these big boys here uh, because you will get hurt, even though you're a, a large human being. But I really liked a lot of what I saw from him, and I think he's in a good place with Shane Steichen. Yeah, um, he he wasn't a turnover machine either. He only has one interception on the season. Uh, granted, he's only playing four games, but one interception through four games. Um, uh, what is it? Seven, t- seven touchdowns, um, north of 700 yards of total offense, passing and rushing, um, complete, completed up around what 60%, 60% of his passes on to make sure the number is correct. Um, but overall, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Richardson, it's a shame that he got hurt when he did, because I personally wanted to see, I'm sorry, he's completing 59% of his passes, um, still around 60. So nonetheless, um, yeah, very, very raw talent. Very raw talent. Um, still have no idea what he can be. I'm gonna I'm gonna give I, I'm not ready to say that they got that one right yet. Um, I'm gonna sit incomplete. I think he projects well. I'll put it that way. Uh, okay. the next one, uh, he's played very well is, is Devin Witherspoon, uh of of Seattle, who we're gonna see on Monday night. He will play. He, the the only worrisome thing for me if I was Seattle is he is he's of the mindset of Sidney Brown this dude is not afraid to throw the body around those those Illinois boys man yeah exactly um so I hope the guy can stay healthy because he is fun to watch I hope he's not effective on Monday night but that guy's good so that was a good pick by Seattle I think yeah I like that I think got on for taking him that high yeah good 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 pick he he also has uh three sacks on the season interception I like him now, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm t- totally frank. I haven't paid enough attention to, to Paris Johnson of the Cardinals offensive tackle out of Ohio State to, to know exactly how well he's played. I, it would be, wouldn't be fair for me to give a grade on him. I. So yeah. in a situation like this, what I would do is I will, I will resort to PFF because they give you guys an overall grade. Yeah. Um, as of right now, his overall grade in PFF, not good, man. A 55 grade um, via PFF. He's played 148 snaps. He has 11 penalties on the season, which is which, which is which is top, which is uh, ranked second amongst people at his, at his position. And he's allowed seven sacks on the season, so not good, not good, man. It's allowed not, seven sacks. Yeah. So he still, has, so so far, man, he has not been um, as advertised. Fair um, enough. So Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech, went seven overall to uh to the Raiders and again it's a difficult team to gauge because they've been you know just hot trash all season um with him but I I loved him coming out of Texas Tech so I'm not going to fault the pick at all yeah as of right now 13 solo tackles two and a half sacks um he's a to be uh, determined what yeah one force fumble PFF grade is terrible with a 44.4 overall grade. So 
Um, he he must be he must not be able to hold up in the run somehow. Yeah. Um, but again, you know that team has just been bad all the way around. So. Uh- uh, let's go with land. I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a couple, um, I want to do Bijan and then I want to do Jalen Carter, but Bijan Robinson, the, the, for me, the biggest issue with Bijan is Arthur Smith doesn't get him the ball enough. If I, if I have one complaint, it's more against the coaching staff. Sort of feel like I'm talking about the Eagles here a little bit, but then it is against the player. I, I think you got to find, figure out a way to get the ball in this dude's hands way more, uh, than they have there. Yeah, man, on the season, he only has <clears throat> excuse me. On the season, he only has 169 carries, man. That's that's pretty low uh, for a guy who drafted that high um in the top 10. 790 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. Um, he has time left in the season to get a thousand yard season. His uh, overall PFF grade is pretty is pretty decent. He has 320 receiving yards as well, three receiving touchdowns. So technically, if you want to be if you, if you really want to give him the complete the complete scorecard, you'll say, all right, seven touchdowns on the season between rushing and receiving. Um, he has um he has 209 touches on the season, one 169 carries, 40 receptions. Um, and then he has uh just over a thousand yards. Uh just over he has yeah, he has just over uh eleven hundred yards combined. Um yeah, combined a total offense. So I mean He's been productive for them, eleven hundred yards and yeah, total offense. Yeah, that's great for a rookie, considering. Yeah, over two, over two hundred touches, seven touchdowns, not bad. Averaging almost five yards a carry. Yeah, not bad, right? So, I don't know. One can argue. Well, rookie guy, just over two hundred touches. They're using him in the, in the running game and a passing game. Seven touchdowns on the season, eleven hundred yards. Maybe they're giving the ball to him reasonably, but. Arguably, people say they want him to have the ball more. Yeah, uh, let me give I'm, you. I'm willing to say that. Let me give you a good uh, update here. Reed Blankenship in the locker room, suiting up. Will practice today. That's that good. Clear, that mean he clear protocol. That's good. And okay. um, he'll be he'll he'll be playing on Monday then. Yep, that is that is very good news. Uh, yeah. Jalen Hurts meeting with the me. By the way, had an awesome hoodie on. I don't know if you saw it. A cool looking hoodie. Oh, anyway, let me see if I can find it. Uh, he said, quote, this is a special team. Let's take advantage of it. You don't get anywhere without challenges. So that that's uh, one of the things that Jalen had to say. Sounds very Jalen-esque, uh, you know, regarding what's happening with this team right now. Uh, so beyond, oh, you're the, oh, you're talking about the, the Kelly Green hoodie. Yeah, it's nice yeah, with the silver yeah, it, silver sleeves. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, looks it's good-looking good. Looking, uh, good looking hoodie. All right, uh, let's let's pick it back up here. We, number nine was Jalen Carter. Uh, do we really need to expand on that one? I mean, that's a that's a another one out of the ballpark. I, I think he should he should be in consideration for for the Pro Bowl, not just Rookie of the Year defensively. Yeah, it's so funny. Like who who would we give Defensive Rookie of the Year to at this point? Um, I so I would look at him. I would look at Devin you know, Witherspoon's been good. Um. And also, Jalen Carter's um, his PFF grade is high, um, eighty three point eight at the D tech at the D tackle spot, uh, five sacks on the season, one forced fumble, a touchdown. Wow, um, you know, eleven so uh, eleven so well, twenty one total tackles on the season. Hmm. Um, you know, at D tackle, you don't you don't get the your most numbers. Tackles. Yeah, don't don't flash yeah, it. Yet, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, he's been he's been pretty he's been pretty good in run defense for the most part. Um, been been an effective pass rusher. Um, we you know, know he's not good too, Tone. The kid yeah. Pansy in uh, in Tampa Bay out of Pitt. 
There was a lot of comps to Aaron Donald, which is obviously yeah, good. yeah, he He's has been very good, man. Yeah, yeah. When they drafted him, um, a lot of people were like, "Hmm, it's kind of small." Right, but but he's been he's been pretty effective, man. Got four sacks on the season, um, thirteen solo tackles. You know I like I mean? him. I think the future's really bright there with that guy, uh, for sure. I'll tell you the other one, and it's a shame he got hurt. Christian Gonzalez, watch him next year in New England. He's going to be a monster. Yeah, that dude. That dude can play. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to get. Let me just run through the rest and give you the guys that are playing well. Jack Campbell's playing well for the Lions the linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think Smith the Jigba is going to be really good. He's yeah. his numbers aren't going to blow you away. You know who's been a disappointment? Quentin Johnston. Big time for the Chargers. Big disappointment, man. Um crazy speed, but he he doesn't really get on the field much. That game against Green Bay. Yeah. Uh Herbert threw him a dime. Would have been a touchdown if he catches it. He yes. he quite literally dropped it. Yep. Bobbled it, dropped it. It was ugly, man. It was bad. Well, here's the thing, too. You look at who went after him. Zay Flowers has been very good in Baltimore. He's helped Lamar a lot. Jordan mm-hmm. Addison's done a really nice job in Minnesota. They moved on from Thielen, and he's he stepped in there nicely, especially when Jefferson was out of there. So he looks yeah. good. Um, I like I like I like Dalton Kincaid's impact in too. Buffalo as well. He came in, you know, when Dawson Knox went down, and so far has been productive. Uh, 495 receiving yards. Um, 61 receptions. He's uh, going to be their one very soon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's going to be their one. Um, but let's talk about this for a minute. So, you know, Nolan Smith looks like he's a long ways away and you know, the, the things that worried you about him are the same things that worried you about N'Kobe Dean a little bit undersized. You know, it's funny. They drafted Nolan Smith and they left Joey Porter on the Joey Porter Jr. on the board. He went in the second round to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. Oh, but only two picks later. Right. Only two picks later. He was the first pick in the second round. Um, they, 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 like because they clearly needed the DB help, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. That's look, Noah Smith, we have no idea what he's gonna be. He's nowhere near a finished product, so I'm not gonna just write him off. But knowing knowing what their needs are in the DB room. Joey Porter Jr. would have, you know, would have helped out a lot, man. He has length and size, 6'2", 194. Yeah, he's he's playing a position pretty well, um, for for the uh, you know, for the Steelers. So, really quickly here, if I if I, if I may, uh, Joey Porter Jr. He has a really he has a pretty decent PFF grade for a rookie, a seventy two point five, an interception. Um, he's been targeted forty times, only allowed seventeen receptions all season. Um, 30, uh, 30 solo tackles, five assisted. Um, he's a, he's a productive young corner, man. It's only going to get better. Um, it, it would have been great to have him, have him in Philly. Um, but again, I don't want to just write Nolan Smith off. Um, I'm, I'm just acknowledging how good. George no, Porter's you're right. And, and the, here's the worry tone. They've had a real hard time judging that position in the draft uh, and getting yeah. it right over the years. Yeah. They have yeah. H- historically they have. Yeah. It's, 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 it's no mystery, right? Right. It's no mystery at all. So. All right, let me just real quick there. in the second round. You mentioned Porter. Levis, Levis look, has looked pretty decent for Tennessee so far. You know, a long way to go, but, you know, good early returns. Laporta is yeah. a monster in Detroit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is a stud. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a steal for sure, Sam Laporta, man. He's going crazy. 702 receiving yards, six touchdowns, 66 receptions, man. Yeah. Um, I like him a lot. Legit. I'll give you another guy who's played very well in Detroit. Detroit's done a really good job drafting. Brian Branch, he went 14th in in you know in that uh, 45th, excuse me, in that second round. Um, 
He's been very good for them. They have a lot of good young talent. Yeah, you know, they they still have. They're not they all the way well. there yet. But yeah. they had a they had a very strong draft. All their all their all their draft picks, at least their first three, yeah. are making a huge impact. You know, Jameer Gibbs, um, uh, Laporta, uh, Brian Branch. Yeah, they're all making a, a legit impact. Another guy I want to talk about, B.J. Ojolari. Yes, um, he's 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 solid. He's solid. Yes. He has four he has four sacks on the season. Um, I like it, man. Um, being a second rounder, uh, uh, defensive end, uh, what's this, 6'2, 248. I like him, good size, and uh, you know, he 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 plays fast, he's aggressive, and you know, he you know, he's a piece that you can build on. Yeah, it's always fun, it's always fun to look back. Obviously, you know, we still have some season left in this thing, but it's always fun to look back and and, and see yeah. how, how they've done. Yeah. And for the Eagles, I think it's one home run and one. To be determined. A bunch of bunts. <laughs> yeah, some bunts. Um, well, yeah, maybe some infield, you know, ground uh, infield singles. Marlon Tupelo's brother is doing well. Um, yes. Tuli uh, Tupelo two plays for the Chargers. He has four sacks on the season, 30 solo good. tackles. He's good. So yeah. they did yeah. better with that than they did in the first round. Uh, with yeah, he, he's 6'3, 266, mm-hmm. prototypical edge rusher body, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, let's come back. Uh, we will talk some more birds and we'll get into to Draymond Green. Uh, Green, we will get into a weird clause in Shohei Otani's contract, which may be a groundbreaking contract tone. The the more we kind of step back and look at some of this, uh, we'll, we'll tell you about a sixer. And Giannis had a weird night. What a weird night that was. So, Very much so. Let's get into that also. A lot of ground to cover before we get out of here. That's for sure. Tone to Shields, Rob Ellis. Sports take right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. this one at you this is interesting so normally this is a day where the eagles would do a walkthrough um in preparations for the game they're in pads today and nick hmm. Sirianni said he wanted to work on fundamentals I, I think he wants to work on fundamentals and i think he wants to send a little message good good getting pads i like that I practice like that. them hard today um, you, you, you want to make some real changes change it up it's exactly what they're doing today so i like that um and he's a guy who usually errs on the side of let's take it easy on these guys this time of year, but not in this case. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I, I told you earlier in the show that I had heard this, that there were going to be some changes down there. This is different from what they usually do. Some, and I know he's got, sometimes he's got an extra day here with Monday, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, sometimes you got to throw a bit of a, a curveball into the routine, you know, to kind of give guys a jolt. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. I, I like to hear it. Sounds good to me. Um, we'll again. Uh, we'll see how this thing plays out on the field. I'm expecting them to win the game. Uh, that's what I would. That's that's what I would like to expect. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm. I know. I, I've been lately. I've been getting a lot of criticism for being hard on this team, right? And um, fandom has been called into question. But here's the thing, right? I also have a job to do, and um, through my fandom. Through me supporting the Philadelphia Eagles through thick and thin, through sickness and health, <laughs> um, till death do us part, right? Uh, I've I also have to call it as I see it, and, and and also what I feel about this team right now. Like, you know, just because someone is critical of something doesn't mean they love it any less than you do. One may argue I love it more because I'm criticizing it, and you're believing what you're in your, and you're not believing what you're seeing. So um, I'm not, I'm never in the business of trying to quantify people's fandom or qualify it for that matter. But when this comes to this Philadelphia Eagles team, I hold them, I hold them to a high standard here. And I like hearing what you just told me, you know, they're throwing curveball into the routine. Good to hear. Um, love to see it. Let's see if it, you know, amounts to something on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, I you you know my stance on this. I'm never going to pander and just just hey, the Eagles are great and they're going to win. No, I'm going to uh, when I'll praise them when it's warranted. I'll I'll criticize when it's warranted. That's just the way it's got to be. Um, all right, so a couple other things here. Draymond Green, we talked about it yesterday. Indefinite suspension handed down by Joe Dumars um, for him. 
I think it's absolutely the the right call. I think he's out fascinating. Of yeah, and I think what it's saying, Tone, is a you're out of control. B until you show us that you're willing to take the steps to correct your behavior, then you can just sit out, dude. Well, you know, when, when, until until proven otherwise, that's where it's going to be. You're going to be on ice as, as we as we go forward here. So what is this like? Um, they're going to send them to some anger management class. I don't know. Like, how are they going to um, how are, well, what's the metric they're using to determine if he uh has um been if he has been re- rehabilitated? I would assume so I would assume it is some type of anger management. Uh, I would assume it's going to be um, some lengthy talks with the league office for him. I think it's going to be a lot of things. Um, it, it, there's been too many of these kind of incidents. You remember he had, he had got uh, uh, Gobert in the chokehold earlier in the year. Oh yeah, he stomped on. Uh, that was awesome. Sabonis last year when Sabonis was on the floor. Like there's been a million of these. I'm just giving you a couple of them. But there's been a lot of these kind of things for him lately. And I just think the league's had enough. And it's like, how many times can you find him? How many times can you give him three games? He appeals and it gets knocked down to two. Whatever. I mean, I think they're really trying to. Just send a message to him this time. And you know the, the problem for Golden State is they're yeah, not no playing well. well. They're 10 and 13, man. They're not playing well. And Clay Thompson himself has said, look, I'm I've been garbage this year. They're um they might be hitting that wall. They, they might- offered him they offered him a two year extension in the offseason worth two years, 48 million. I would have signed it. <laughs> uh, yes. I, it's not that's not looking like a great move. Good right luck now. getting that money from anywhere else now. Yeah. I would have signed it. Exactly. I was like, oh yeah, forty million in the bank. Yeah, I'll sign it for show. Mm-hmm. Show. Yeah. Hey man, that's what happens when you when you um overplay your hand, overestimate where you are in your career. Yeah. He was tripping. I would have signed that thing fast. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right, stay in the NBA for a minute. Uh, boy, there's some bad teams, man. So the Spurs have lost 18 straight. Uh, and and they almost came back and beat. I think I think we playing Lakers last night. Wemby had a big game. They almost came back and won, but they've lost 18 straight. Uh, has San Antonio? They're three and 20. The Pistons, who the Sixers beat last night, have lost 21 straight. Think about this: the Pistons were two and one to start the season. <laughs> two and one to start the season. They're two and 22 now. That is, I mean, how do you? Oh, I, I give credit for anybody who was in that arena last night watching their their slop. It's bad. You, gotta, how, what did I sign up for here? How do you justify what's going on over there? I don't know. I can't. Like, I'm looking at the roster, and it's a lot of young cats. It's a lot of. A lot I of young see cats. young, talented guys. Yeah, Killian Hayes, who I like, Jaden Ivey, Kay Cunningham, Alec Burks, who I like. I liked him in Philly. He should have stayed, but it's whatever. Um, they got Joe Harris over there, a, sh- a shooter. Um. Right, that is the same guy, right? Yeah, they got Joe yeah. Harris, a shooter. Um, Boy, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, a shooter. He's there. You got a couple veterans mixed in there. Yeah, yep. it's. I don't. I don't understand it. I just don't. Something's going. Something's in the water over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's been in the water for a long time over there, uh, in Detroit. That's for sure. So uh, anyway, a couple other uh, other things out of the NBA. So former uh, NBA player Sixer, he was a Sixer. George McGinnis died. He was 73, six-time All-Star. This guy was unbelievable, Tone. So he grew up in Indiana, 
He was he won a state championship in high school. He was Mr. Indiana basketball. He went to IU, played at Indiana University, came out, went into the ABA, played for the Indiana Pacers, uh, played for them for years, went straight into the Sixers, uh, you know, bounced around a little bit and finished his career with the Pacers. You, you talk about a guy who who was like synonymous with Indiana basketball. It's that guy. But he was a good player, six-time All-Star, uh, won an MVP in the ABA, won championships in the ABA, was on the Sixers team in 76-77 that lost in the finals to the Blazers. Wow. Great, One of the great trades the Sixers ever made. They traded him for Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones came in here and was a perfect complimentary piece with Dr. J because Bobby Jones was a defender, didn't need to shoot first, was a pass-first guy, came off the bench. It was a great trade by the Sixers, but at the time they got killed for it when they traded away McGinnis because McGinnis was a scorer. Man, RIP, RIP to the legend, man. You know, it's it's so funny when you really, when you really think back, man. The Sixers have a a, a very esteemed history. Um, yeah. one one of the Power Five franchises in the NBA. Um, man, um, lived a long life and um, a winning one at that. Yep. So, yeah, man. and by all accounts, I didn't know him, but everybody says he was a gentleman. So, uh, right. rest in peace, rest in peace. All right, we got to go to the weirdness that was that was Giannis. Antetokounmpo's night last night. So he dropped 64, which is the Milwaukee Bucks record. But it was a weird game. Chippy, uh, a couple times. Did you see his brother coming off the bench trying to get after guys? You, you would have thought somebody. What the him. hell was that? You would have thought somebody hit him with a sledgehammer. Like, <laughs> And I on, get dog. like, that's probably the only reason he's there is, be, is because you want to keep Giannis happy. Dude, what were yeah, you really going to do there? Let's yeah, with all due respect, man. He he <laughs> has a job. He has a job because of you know, we know we know he's there because Giannis Correct. pulled a couple strings. He wants to make sure his, his brother continues to get a paycheck. That that young man gets no minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But but it, that was a classic. Hurry up and hold me back, because if he really got loose, he wasn't going to do a damn thing. If exactly. Really yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but all right, so that's not even the weird part. So the weird part is Giannis gets 64, which he breaks the, the Bucks record. The Pacers uh, rookie hits one free throw, which was his first non-in-season tournament point as an NBA player. So the, the justification... The, the the Pacers people somehow got the basketball, even though it was in Milwaukee. And the right. dude just kind of bolted for the locker room. And the claim afterwards from Rick Carlisle and the, the Pacer people was, oh, we just wanted to give the, the kid his, the basketball because he scored his first point. Giannis takes off like a bat out of hell, chasing down this dude who took the ball. And there's almost a fight in the, in, in the hallway leading into the locker room. Like, what is going on here? Immaturity. <laughs> um, immaturity, that's fine. I mean, people can have, you know, I'm not on either side of this, right? I'm not, I have no dog in the race. I can care less about either side of this thing. Yeah. Um, but it's just immaturity on both sides. You know, Giannis running around like somebody broke into his car, you know, the Pacers being petty, which is hilarious. Um, I, I, throughout the entire mix though, I love Tyrese Halliburton's like facial expressions through the whole thing. Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton was just like, what, I'm, what do you, what do you want me to, I'm out here with you talking to y'all. Like, what, I'm not right. back there. What you, what you want to do? Yeah. And did you hear, did you hear the, um, the mic that like, like the audio of it as well? 
yeah, yeah. He's like, get get me the bleeping ball. And, and yeah, like, like he's he's talking to Halliburton. Like, like, first of all, I'm like, you know, my dad for one. Like the, the way the way he, the way he was talking to Halliburton, he's like, you gonna get me that ball? He was like almost sunning him without saying son. Yeah, and Halliburton looking at him like, what? Yeah, who are you talking to, dude? Who? Yeah, who are you talking to, bro? So, <laughs> yeah, man. I like right. it though because that thing's becoming a a because the Pacers are good now. It's becoming yeah, a pretty interesting yeah, rival. Yeah, yeah, they're um, they're competitive now. They're, and I think they're in the same conference, right? I mean, the same division, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, Milwaukee, so Milwaukee, Indiana, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit. Yep. Right. Central division. Yeah, Milwaukee seventeen and seven on the season. The Pacers are thirteen and nine, but the Pacers are, Pacers are a much improved team, and Halliburton's a beast. So yeah, I love Halliburton's game. It's fun to it was fun to watch. I'm I'm. I had it on. I was on the radio last night, but I had it, you know, in studio when I was going in. I'm like, "What the hell is happening here?" I see Giannis take off. I'm like, "This is strange." Yeah, <laughs> man, it's good. Here's the thing, too, right? I want, I low key want uh, the Pacers and the Bucks to meet in the playoffs. Yeah, I do too. You know, but for that to happen, um, we're go- I'm going to need Milwaukee to stay at the two seat, and uh, the Pacers fall to the seventh seat. Or Milwaukee falls at the third. Yeah. Pacers fall to six. Or you want to see a first round matchup with these two? Yeah, I, I want to see a first round matchup. Yeah. Because, in my opinion, it's going to let me know, um, how how good the Pacers are, mm-hmm. and also it's going to tell me if the Bucks, um, have um have wrote the ship from last season. Because they because they got knocked out of the playoffs prematurely. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how this thing goes, but I want a first round matchup. You know, I want these yeah. guys as healthy as possible. I don't, I don't want any excuses. I want them going right into it. I, I'm, Rob, I'm, I'm trying to get straight to the shits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I, I wanted to touch base with this one because we talked about Shohei Otani's contract with the right, uh, right. All right, so initially the interesting part of it was he was deferring six hundred and eighty million dollars. He was taking two million a year. Because once that contract was done, he figured he'd be out of out of California, I guess, with the luxury tax and or with the state tax and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. That that was interesting. Now we find out there's a clause in there that if the Dodgers either change ownership or blow out certain front office personnel, that he has an opt out clause at the end of that season. So let's say things go sideways for the Dodgers. Okay. And he's in the third year of this deal. Mm -hmm. And they decide we're going in another direction with our general manager. He's, he's fired. He's fired in August. By the end of September, Otani can get out of that contract and walk. I like that. I like that. Amazing. That little twist in there. Player control, man. Player control, you know, players. It's just just another example of players. Um, taking you know, taking the outcome of their careers in their own hands. I mean, these organizations uh, in any sport, they're going to always do what's best for them. They're going to always do what's best for the team, the organization, their pocket, with their bottom line, whatever it may be, right? So, as a player, um, they look at me as only an asset, an asset that can provide uh, an ROI, you know, a return on investment. Uh-huh. And my thing is, you know, my I have to have agency uh, of my own career. I have to advocate for myself. Right. So, this contract essentially. Um, the, the this this whole move, the whole nuances to the Shohei Otani deal, it's essentially a souped up version of what LeBron James 
um, started when he left Cleveland to Miami, right? Um, if, if we can give LeBron James, if LeBron James has anything on his legacy, um, it's uh, the um, the implementation of player empowerment. He's he's the quintessential example of player empowerment. He, LeBron, none of these players, Tom Brady doesn't go to the Bucks without LeBron James doing what he did. Right. You know what I mean? Matthew Stafford, um, granted it was a trade, but Matthew Stafford doesn't go to the uh, the, the line of the Rams if if um, LeBron James doesn't do what he did. You know what I mean? Like LeBron James said that he was the first domino to to make it seem like it was to make it players feel like they should take agency of their own careers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not and I'm not mad at that, especially if you're in an organization and they're not trying to win. They're not trying to surround you with play, you know, with talent. I'm not mad at it whatsoever at all. So again, Shohei Otani, um, congratulations to him. Hell of a contract um, in totality. Um, great stipulations on the contract so he can remain in control of his own destiny. I like it. I mean, let me give you one other interesting angle, and this is just the way I guess my weird mind works. But if I'm the Dodgers GM and I'm the one, if I, I see that clause and his agent says to me, hey, but part of this is like if you get fired, uh, we're out. I'm like, let's get that thing right in that deal. Yes, sir. Good to go. Because guess what? I had the ultimate job security. You don't want to lose this guy in year three or four. I'm good for at least five, six years. No matter what. At least, right? Unless you do something egregious. But like, yeah, right. Unless it's away from the field or whatever. But my decision making, I can, I can be bold here because I'm protected. Right. Now, I wonder if there's a clause in there. Um, like we said, um, if there's a code of conduct clause, like if, if the GM I'm does sure, something, I'm sure there is. But you know, what I mean, then that yeah. can't really count, right? I'm just talking about so, for baseball matters. I'm good. Of to course, go. of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still, man. Um, hell of a contract. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, but but I do think we are going to see a lot more of those going forward. And yeah, like you said, good for Otani. I mean, he got not only did he get paid, he's doing it in a very unique way uh, in that sport for sure. He's kind of trailblazing uh, in a lot yeah. of ways. And also, you you're going to have to be a a transcendent player to get that kind of um, true leeway. True, yeah. Not not everybody's going to get all that stuff. Yeah, you're right about. But that. I think the part I, I think the I think the part the aspect of the contract that's going to really um that players are going to be able to take advantage of regardless of your you know your skill set or how good you are is the deferment i think that i think that in my opinion is, is going to you know set you know set the table for guys that be like you know what okay maybe i should think more so long term beyond baseball yeah right because if 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 i'm a player and i signed a even even if i signed a 3 year or a 2 year 50 50 million dollar deal mm-hmm. i'm making 25 million a year okay just pay me just pay me uh five million over the next two years and defer. Um, yeah, just pay me five and five. So just pay me ten million over the next two years and defer defer the forty, and I'll be good after baseball. Yeah. So I, I that's that's actually not a bad idea for any but any any player to regardless of how I much agree. you make. I guess what we're gonna see start coming. All right, we got a roll. Uh it's been fun as always. Thanks to everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. You guys are the best as always. Yep. Uh, don't go anywhere. We have the National Football Show coming up with Dan Cilio and, of course, Tone as well. So, Tone, looking forward to hanging with you on a football Friday, getting you yes, ready sir. for the, all the action over the weekend. So, everybody, appreciate you hanging. We are back tomorrow at the same time. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks. Peace out, guys.